0: All right, what's up? Welcome to the best damn sports talk period. It, and what's up, Matt Champo? How you doing, buddy?
1: Chase Mo, I am great. I am I am ecstatic to speak some sports talk here with you, Chase Mo. It's been a long time coming for the both of us, but it, the day is finally here, and I'm pumped.
0: I agree, man. You're 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 live from uh, Peoria, Illinois, the new the new homeland. Tell us about your new job, man. How's that going?
1: Hey, man, it's uh, it's not bad at all. I work for I work for the Peoria Chiefs, my league baseball team of the uh, St. Louis Cardinals, and uh, it's pretty great. You know, I, I get to talk sports with you, Chase Moe, when I come home after working in sports all day. It, it's a dream come true, and uh, I couldn't have written it any better, but uh, man, it yeah, I gotta pinch myself at times, you know?
0: I agree. It's sometimes, you know, you're just on that pillow and you're just dreaming, dreaming, dreaming. But you got to realize it's reality, baby.
1: You know, I I love Illinois so far. It's been great. You know, I think there's a perception about it. It's flat and boring. But, you know, you get down (laughs) here to to Peoria is actually rolling hills. You come in by the the Illinois River. It's actually quite beautiful. But, Jay Small, I am still a little bit jealous of you because you're, you're back in the motherland. You're back in homeland, Green Bay where it's probably a little bit colder than it is here, but, man, you're in Green Bay. You know, you just get the chills when you're
0: there. It's a chilly one, man. But there's a different vibe up here this year. Obviously, the last two seasons have been duller than than anticipated, and it smells like playoff football again. Thank God. The air's a little crisper, but there's playoff whispers in the air. Thank God. I caught myself driving past Lambeau Field the other day, just had to pull over and yep just take a a deep breath and realize that thing's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen.
1: For those of you that don't live in Green Bay, who have never been in Green Bay, I've lived in Green Bay I grew up there, you grew up there there's times when it's like I want to go to the mall or I'm going to go here and I would take the detour just to drive by the stadium because it's like there's people who would give their left arm just to come here and stand outside (laughs) this place and I've been there, man I think I've been to almost 100, probably over 100 games there and it's Man, it, it it's it gives you chills, like I said earlier, and it's you you got you got to enjoy it because you know I mean it's like Fenway for some people, you know you, you just you give your left arm to be there, and, and like you said, it's playoff football. We've been through the past couple of years here where we haven't been to the playoffs, and we've been through some ups and downs. So it's hey, man, it's exciting.
0: Yeah, I actually caught myself going to the uh, atrium last year and just walking around and i actually bought a ticket and went through the hall of fame by myself oh yeah and i spent like three and a half hours in the hall of fame just oh. looking around dude
1: i went with my family i think two two years ago three years ago and they were all yelling at me because they're like i was halfway through it not even and my brother and his wife were already in the pro shop shopping and <laughs> my my parents are way beyond me and i'm you know, maybe a third of the way through, it's just, yeah. It, you know, when when you got people like us, it takes a while. It's a lot to take in. You know, we're not just sports nuts, but but huge Packer nuts. But yeah, I mean, if you're a Packer fan, you're in Green Bay. That's the Hall of Fame, man. It's they got some cool stuff there. That's a good time.
0: It's pretty sweet. I'm glad you kind of touched on this. That's kind of the whole premise of the podcast. Um, we're sports. We're sports nuts. Sports enthusiasts. Right now, I'm watching the Cowboys Bears. I'm watching the Blackhawks. Bruins. No way. We no way. go way. I, to yeah. Back, oh yeah.
1: Come on, too. No
0: way. Really? Yeah. See, dude, we're <laughs> gelling right now. Already, we're already off to a good start. So this is the first ever podcast for both of us. The best damn sports talk period. Paying homage to one of the greater sports talk shows before our time, and every sports talk show in between that we both just we text each other all the time about listening to sports radio and this and that. So. To finally have it both, to both finally be on the podcast is something special. But we go back. You were my, you were my senior mentor the freshman year of my freshman year of high school, and that's where we kind of, you know, started talking sports and study hall when I should have been doing homework. We we're talking statistics, you know.
1: Hey, I, I taught you right, man. I brought you up. None of that stuff in high school mattered. It was this is what matters. <laughs> Look at us now. Um, yeah, but yeah, <laughs> just to think back. I think back then, man. To, to tell myself, man, someday we're going to be talking sports on a, you know, on a podcast and life's going to be okay for us. We'll, 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 <laughs> we'll turn out all right for sure. You know, high school's going to be just fine. But yeah, man, that was many years ago, but uh, I'm glad that I've stayed in touch with you. And man, the, the, the memories we have, which stay tuned because we got, we got plenty of, of sports stories, whether it's tailgating or trips, you know, Plenty of stories that we're going to share throughout, throughout the episodes of this podcast that um, you know, that, that we, can, we can share to all of you and our, our tailgating experiences, ideas, and games that we've seen live, the, the games that you've been to, that I've been to. So it's going to be a lot of fun just sitting down after work days and, and talk with you, Chase Mo. whether it's about you know what's going on in this Bear game here or what we've been through. It's, it's going to be a blast, man.
0: There's no doubt. We've been through a lot. We were actually some some would say the kings of Country USA, um, <laughs> with bottle toss champions. Oh, man. Nonetheless, nonetheless, but but even standing around at Country USA, it was always we were talking sports. We were talking football. We were always just you know talking about some capacity of athleticism, whether it be you know fantasy football or like could you imagine. You know, pitching against Ken Griffey Jr. just anything, and you know to finally be like, let's just put this on tape is great. So, yeah, you know, that's a little.
1: Yep. Yep. Let's just. That's
0: just a little background for us. So, but go let's go. talk some.
1: That's yeah. All right. Go ahead into it. All right, Chase Mollett, it's time to start talking some NFL here. We alluded to it already. We're in December. We're starting to play some December football here. We got the Bears and Cowboys already underway tonight. Dude, you can just feel it. Like, this is when you punch your ticket to the playoffs or you decide you're watching it from home, one of the two. And we got a lot of teams here that are likely going to be in, but we got some teams that are bubble. You know, they're either going to be in the dance or they're going to be on the outside looking in. Um there's a lot to happen here. I think the NFC is a little bit more cut and dry here. The AFC, I think, is a bit more wide open um, when you look at it. But, uh, you know, there's, there's, a lot, there's a lot to unravel here when you look at the playoff picture in both, in both conferences.
0: Well, there's two things you can do after Thanksgiving, and that is put up your Christmas tree and talk about playoff football. <laughs> and now we're doing both. Now we're doing both. We lit up the Christmas tree, Absolutely. and now we got that graphic. In the th- in the third and fourth quarter, talking about playoffs, oh, the seeds, the home field advantage. Yep. So let's start with the AFC, man. Who, obviously, the Patriots aren't the Patriots of old. Tom Brady's struggling; he's got a hurt shoulder or a hurt elbow, a toe ailment they're calling it. But who do you like coming out of the AFC this year?
1: Oof, I mean, I the Ravens is easy to say. Like it, everyone loves the Ravens because the Ravens are clear and cut probably the, the best team in football right now and the one team you don't want to play luckily for our Packers in the NFC they aren't going to have to play them unless they get to Miami but you know for here the Ravens obviously are the top you know I, I was I was thinking about this earlier today you know who I do like is the Titans as, as a bubble team a team that's right there the Steelers are 75 and the Titans are 75 I'd like I like the Titans, but the problem is I hate their schedule remaining. And you're looking at it; they have the Raiders this week, who, based on the last couple of weeks, the Raiders don't really seem too scary, even though it's in Oakland. But then they got the Texans, the Saints, and at the Texans. That I mean, you know, you, you probably got to win at least two of those, and that gets you to nine and seven, and ten and six. You probably got to get to to feel comfortable in the AFC. Three and one will be an impressive stretch there for the Titans. Um, I don't know if they can get there, but like I said, I like the Titans. And the the, the two teams I also really like are the three-seed and the four-seed, and they remind me a lot of each other with the Chiefs and Texans because I think Mahomes and Watson have both kind of gone on this similar trip this year where it's been a roller coaster. I think uh, Mahomes got off to a lot better start, and then he had the injury, and I think he had to kind of – navigate through some some tough games and some you know adversity but the chiefs have kind of come out the other side of it and the texans with watson you know they they've also gone through some adversity in the earlier part of the season it feels like they're hitting their stride a little bit now um but again it's a it's a thick afc while i thought earlier in the year it was a bit of a weak afc i think we're starting to see some teams come to the forefront um and i i think it's a bit thick
0: Yeah, if you look at the remaining schedule for the Bills, they got the Ravens, the Steelers, the Patriots, and the Jets. They're playing three playoff teams out of the last four. So the Bills are very much in it, but they could be very much out of it too in the coming end of December. And like you said, I like Tennessee. If they can somehow beat Houston and control their own division. So I think the AFC can be shaken up a little bit more than the NFC, like you kind of mentioned earlier, but it's got some things got to fall in place and Tennessee has been one of those roller coaster teams where they've been up and down the whole year. But I do like Mike Vrabel as a coach, and they have been with Ryan Tannehill, what undefeated now since they've lost to the Panthers. So I don't know, big things happening in Nashville, but yeah, you know, on the bubbles, go ahead. Yeah,
1: no, to, to touch on the Patriots though, that you kind of started out with, I, you know, they're interesting because I think if they can. They're in that two spot right now. They they don't have the tiebreaker over the Ravens. They're both 10 and 2, but I think you look at the Patriots. Um if they can get that 2C, they can get that bye, they get a home playoff game while they're not peaking and they're not playing that well. It's still Belichick. It's still Brady, and they still have that defense. I mean, they're they play really well in two phases. They they have an excellent special teams and they have a great defense. It comes down to: Can they make enough plays offensively? Can they control the ball? They can. Can they play the game on their terms? Now, if they play in the Ravens and the Ravens turn into a track meet, Patriots got no chance. But the Patriots can play in bad weather, Foxborough, in January. You know, play a slower game, slow it down, let that defense, you know, hunt a little bit per se. You know, and then they they find themselves on the road in an AFC Championship game. I mean, you never know. If you're gonna bet on someone in an AFC Championship game, you want it to be the Patriots. So, while it's easy to say the Patriots aren't the Patriots, Patriots of the past, and you know they're they're you know we're gonna sign them off. I guess for me, it's I'll believe it when I see it because we've said that how many times have we said that? oh the Patriots aren't real this year, and they wind up right where they always wind up. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, definitely. It's kind of the opposite of the Packers. We've been hearing that for the last nine years, that it's our our year to win a Super Bowl, and there's no doubt we're going to the Super Bowl. And then you hear the opposite about the Patriots, and they somehow seem to be in every Super Bowl. But if if you're the Bills and the Steelers, if you're the five and the six seed, would you rather go, I guess, would you rather play the Texans or the Chiefs in that opening round of the playoffs? Oh, boy. <clears throat>
1: that's a tough one I, i'm gonna say the texans just because think,
0: simply because you don't want to go to arrowhead well, right I don't
1: want to go to arrowhead but i also think the Chiefs' ceiling is higher i think the chief's potential as a team is scarier there's a lot of speed on that offense if that defense stays healthy you know that front seven's still pretty darn good i think as a team as a whole and, and I include that with the coach. I mean, say what you want about Andy Reid, but Andy Reid's been here, done it. Yes, he can't win the big games, if you want to say that, as far as getting the Super Bowl, winning Super Bowls. But he's been here as many times as any coach has. He's got Patrick Mahomes. If he's healthy, I'm probably going to have people disagree with me on this, but I'll take Patrick Mahomes over to Sean Watson and – so I'm saying I'd rather go to Houston. Now I'm not saying that that's still an easy matchup. That's not easy either because of Deshaun Watson. But I would much rather go to Houston. Like you said, it's, it's, a, it's a nicer venue to try to go to and win a game.
0: Yeah, I, I have to agree with that. I don't know if J.J. Watt's going to make it back either. They said there was a chance he could make it back for the playoffs with his torn pec. But you gotta you gotta imagine if J.J. Watt can make it back for the playoffs. That's a huge impact, not only in the locker room but on the defensive side of the yeah. ball.
1: Oh, definitely. I mean that, that makes them that makes them scary. I, I will still say I would still rather face the Texans, I think, than the Chiefs. Maybe, definitely. It, 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 the gap narrows there, but now here, here's a good one. Now after I just talked up the Patriots and playing at home, if you're any of those four teams in that wild card weekend for the AFC. Where would you rather go? I think I know the answer, but would you rather go to Foxborough and play the Patriots, or would you rather go to Baltimore and play the Ravens?
0: I would much rather go to Foxborough this year and play the Patriots than try and compete Did with the Ravens. Did you ever
1: think you would say that in the Belichick-Brady era? I mean, I know at some point you no. Brady was going to get old and that was going to get a little bit more, you know, I'm not going to say easier, but I guess a little easier but isn't that crazy that you'd rather go to Baltimore? I mean, that speaks to where Baltimore is
0: at. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I kind of been saying this, I kind of been, I've been a hundred percent on the Lamar Jackson train. I love Lamar Jackson. He reminds me of Mike Vick, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. But I have been saying, wait until there's two and a half years of film on this guy, because the NFL is a game of adjustments. It's a game of who watches more film. So, while right now he's killing defenses, I just, like, it happened to Kaepernick. It happens to, you know, it happened to Mike Vick. It happens to these guys. They slow down. So, like, it it, it takes one bum ankle. Look at RG3. One bum knee to literally take away the whole – I'm not saying that if – I'm not comparing either of the two and saying that Lamar Jackson could probably play through an injury a little bit better than most. But still, I mean, when you have that as a facet of your game and a strength of your game – it's always, you know, it's always kind of, it's just a cautious, a cautionary thing to keep in mind. But I would 100% rather go play the Patriots right now, especially because they have Marshall Newhouse playing left tackle for them. Can you believe that, that? And
1: I was like, oh my God. One, I was like, wow, that guy's still in the league. Because when he left Green Bay, I was like, good riddance. I mean,
0: he is a tro- deserves
1: to be on an NFL roster the way he played in Green Bay. And he actually hung around. I want to say he was in Cincinnati. I could be wrong about that. But then. Yeah, when I saw he was in New England, I'm like, man, they, they're having issues on the offensive line. If you're turning to Marshall Newhouse,
0: <laughs> right, dude? Hey, did you just see the Cowboys missed a field goal?
1: I did not. I was so busy talking about the Ravens that I did not. What? Uh, that- yeah,
0: it's ten to seven Bears with five minutes left to go in the in the first half, and Dan Bailey just missed a you field know- goal. Man, it's not the year of the kicker. No,
1: it is not the year of the kicker. I will say though, I mean, I'm not too worried about the Bears, but. I want them to lose because the last thing I want is the Bears to have momentum with a three-game winning streak coming into Green Bay next week. But we'll talk more about yeah that coming on. But back to yeah. to your point where you, you had mentioned that you thought once there was enough tape on Lamar Jackson, the defenses would kind of catch up to him. That was one of the reasonings in my head that I thought the Ravens wouldn't take that next step this season. In the preseason, I was thinking, because we saw it in the playoff game last year when they hosted the Chargers, you know, he, he kind of broke out during that second half of the season last year when they, they put Flacco on the bench. And it was it was more, more running than it was passing last year. It was way more unconventional than it is this year. But then we saw him go in that Chargers game, and that offense was shut down the first three and a half quarters of the game. And then they made that crazy comeback and almost won it in the fourth quarter. But I was like, you know, if, if this team in, in a matter of a week going to a playoff game can make that much adjustment on this amount of tape, what's going to happen? We get into next year. Now we have a whole offseason season to, to analyze the tape on Lamar, Lamar Jackson. And the more he plays, the more tapes going to be out there. And I just, you know, I thought they'd be, a, I thought they'd be a wild card contender given that division, the Browns are supposed to take a step up the Steelers, you know, I thought would still be pretty good. I, I saw him as like a 7-5, and 6-6 six and six at this point in the season, but, you know, he he's defying the odds at this point. He does look like Mike Vick. I mean, that run he had against um, the Bengals reminded me of that run he had, I think, in overtime against Minnesota back in, what was that, Oh one one or 0-2? He, if he wasn't wearing a Ravens uniform, if you put a Falcons uniform on him and put seven, I think that was Michael Vick.
0: Yeah, he's a parallelism of Michael Vick, no doubt, but I still think he's a playmaker, man. People, these 31 other teams pass on him. I'm not saying that, you know, like teams like the Packers should have drafted him, but honestly, if you're the Packers, why not draft Lamar Jackson, dude? This guy's electric. This guy's amazing. This guy is the fastest guy in the field. He can flick his wrist and throw the ball 60 yards into a bucket and, He's tougher, faster, stronger, and just wants to win. And I don't know. You put that with John Harbaugh, and that Ravens defense, and it's just a recipe for success. Well, it's funny success.
1: because the perception of when he was coming in the draft was what you had said. Well, he's another Kaepernick. He's another. You know, he's another one of these RG threes. These guys that can run, but can one? Can they hold up and can they sustain that? But now, now it's changing because you're hearing all about the, these coaches in high school that are starting the best athletes at quarterback. You just start the best athlete in quarterback. You do it in college. You start the best athlete in quarterback. You know, it's like having the point guard. The point guard is going to be one of your better ball handlers, going to be one of your better athletes because the ball is going through him. So your quarterback is going to be your more athletic guy. You know, you're probably going to have to develop his arm a bit. You know, we see that a little bit. You know, Lamar Jackson has had to go through that. But it's a new wave. So now, like you said, you get to the draft and, you know, down the road, the Packers are presented with taking this athletic quarterback, this just freak athlete. Maybe he's not the best player on the board. Maybe there's another. Do you just take this freak athlete because you've seen what's happened before? I think it could change. I think it could change the way teams draft and, you know, going going forward.
0: Yeah, 100%, man. He can – I will say, though, he can sit in the pocket and deliver. He can play pass skeleton with defenses and just deliver the ball. It's a rocket arm. He can throw it deep. He can gun it in there. Yeah. He can run on defenses. I mean, I think this guy is a better quarterback than people give him credit. And I also think he's more athletic than any quarterback that we've seen, at least in the last five <laughs> years. So when you put that I all think together. That's
1: still the basis of the position, too. I mean, If you can run and dance and do all this stuff, but if you can't throw from in the pocket on a timing route or or read a defense, none of it matters. I agree with you. I think that there's still that precedent. You still have to be a pocket quarterback. Maybe not necessarily first, but you still have to be able to be a pocket quarterback. And then when you can do all the other things beyond that, that's when it becomes dangerous. And I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers is Lamar Jackson athletic-wise or what he can do after the one he gets in the open. But Rodgers was a lot like that, too, where when he came out, people were saying, I haven't seen anyone like him. He kind of reminds me of Steve Young, but, I mean, he moves so much better in the pocket. He's more dangerous when he moves out of the pocket. I mean, you weren't saying that about quarterbacks before then, and now Lamar Jackson's kind of taking it to the next level. Now you see a guy who's faster than some cornerbacks when he gets in the open field. It's crazy.
0: Yeah, I, I... – I just can't get over go get over how athletic this guy is. And especially coming out of college, how no all these experts said he couldn't throw the ball. No one wanted him. Blah blah blah. I'm kinda of sick of hearing about that too. But it's just nuts to how all these people can be dead wrong and just how this guy just overcame a lot of obstacles and just is the best quarterback right. in the league. But oh dude, the the um Boston just came back to tie it. They were down three oh, one no. with six minutes left. It's now oh, three three. Yeah, I picked I picked Boston to win tonight too. That's crazy, yeah. man. Let's okay. go. I Anyways,
1: seen these uniforms from them, these new ones. I like these new ones.
0: I know it looks like they're a prep high school it team, comes, dude. Yeah. Like they're.
1: Or, you know, you know what it looks like? It looks yeah. like when when you watch a commercial or a movie and they didn't get rights to an NHL team and they just put generic B <laughs> yeah. like on there. That's what it. Yeah. I kind of like it. I I would have thought I would not have liked that look, but it actually looks. Kind of clean for him. But uh, to get back here to the AFC picture, we talked about bubble teams when we first brought this up. And I know we mentioned the Titans already. who are sitting there in that seven spot at seven and five. All right, Chase Moat, we talked about it earlier. Uh, the bubble teams in the AFC, we both said we like the Titans there. But I wanted to touch on a couple other teams that are still realistically in the hunt there. Uh, the six and six Raiders, you got the six and six Colts, and we'll throw the five and seven Browns in there.
0: Stop it.
1: Hey, what? No, I'm saying they're fun to talk about whether you're kicking, you're you know, poking fun at them, or you actually think they're still good, which I don't. I mean, I would fire Freddie Kitchens probably tomorrow, to be honest, but um. Take the lead, Chase Moe. Do you like anyone on those bubble teams? I know we both like Tennessee. Do you like anyone there? You,
0: you, ready. Honestly, I don't. I don't. I don't like any of them. I think out of those teams that you mentioned, I do like the Colts. I think they do have a chance, simply because we see what Persec can do and T.Y. Hilton. But it's depending upon their health. And if they're not going to be on the field, then no. I don't like I do not like a T.Y. hilton Colts, and I do not like Jacoby list, whatever. I don't, if they're not playing, no, the Colts are done. The yeah. Raiders done. I think Derek Carr or David Carr, no Derek Carr. I think his days in Oakland are done, man. I don't think he and John Gooden are going to be player coach next year. What do you think about that? That's a hot take. And it, you know, I,
1: if, if that's how it goes, if they split because they can't work together or whatever it is, I mean, I think, I think Derek, David Carr. No, Derek Carr. Jesus. I do that all the time. See? See? But, uh, no, Derek Carr, I think, is a very – he's a good quarterback in this league. He, he at times, plays like an average quarterback, and at other times he plays like a pretty good quarterback. You you don't always know what you're going to get. But bottom line is he's probably an elite game manager. He's not a guy that you're going to put on your roster and say, go win us some games. And – quite frankly, the way that, that roster is set up in Oakland, they shouldn't have to with, with, with Jacob or right Jacobs that they have there in the backfield. I mean, the running game that they have, they shouldn't have to say, Hey, you know, go win us a game, go make 30 to 35 throws and win us a football game. They shouldn't have to, they should be able to do ground control, control the ball a little bit, use some play action, but I agree. I mean, if you would have asked me about the Raiders about three, four weeks ago, I'd have said there's a lot of time left. I like the Raiders. I still think they're going to have something to say as far as this wild card goes and maybe even the division. But I'm with you. I'm done with the Raiders. I, I, I'll i throw them away. Um, the Colts, I agree. I, if they played more consistently, I'd like them. But they had an opening, I think, a couple weeks ago and lost to the Dolphins. And then the Browns – where do you even start when it comes to the Browns? Freddie Kitchens wearing a shirt that says Pittsburgh started it. I, it, you know, I'll say this, and we're going to get into this later, but I think the Browns would be a good option to hire Ron Rivera. If they did decide to move on from Freddie Kitchens.
0: I don't think you're wrong. Uh, but yeah, we'll actually get into that later. I'll save my, I'll save my take for later, but, I think we both agree that Tennessee is on the bubble, and I think they're the only team that's technically in the hunt. I, uh, I just I don't see any other teams stepping up and and making them play. But you want to talk a little NFC, folks? Hey, I
1: love to talk NFC. NFC is where I live and breathe. Chase Mo, tell me who you like. We we know we both like the Packers, and that we're, we're going to talk the Packers up. Tell me outside of the Packers. I mean, because. Because if you look at this NFC, you look at the the six teams that are slated in the in the playoff spots right now. You got the Saints at the one seed, Seahawks at the two, Packers at the three, Cowboys at the four, Vikings at the six. But then you got the Niners in there at the five. I I like all of those teams outside the Cowboys. Like I I don't like I throw the Cowboys. I agree. They're, and they're losing to the Bears right now. Another reason why. Get the Cowboys out of here. And, heck, they may not even win that division. They might not even be a team with a winning record winning that division. Right. Crazy.
0: Right. I was almost – you're almost going to say that the winner of the NFC East gets an asterisk in the playoffs because even if Philadelphia goes there, I just don't think their team is built to play in the playoffs. What it is about their locker room this year that the coaching, I don't know what it is there, but they're just not built to win. No one in the NFC East is built to win this year in the playoffs. But I'll tell you a team I do like is the Seahawks, man. I think the Seahawks – this is one of those years where the Seahawks poise together some dumb run, and they they, they screw with teams because they might not necessarily make it or win the Super Bowl, but they'll take out a team or two that has a legitimate chance, and I think that this is the year that they do that again.
1: Well, look at the way they win games. I mean, there's statistics out there that they, they don't win games by – Big margins. They don't destroy the bad teams. I mean, everyone wants to focus on the way that they they beat, you know, the Vikings and the the Niners, but they don't take care of bad teams either. I mean, look back all the way back to Week One, and I know you want to say Week One's a crapshoot, but they had the one, they had the one point win to the Bengals at home. I mean. Just the fact that that home should give them at least a touchdown lead over the Bengals and they had a one point win. I mean, it's they awesome. weren't in shape. They're like that kid at the dinner table that just plays with their food. You know, they 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 should destroy certain opponents, but they don't, which makes me think that they're they're still a decently beatable team. I want nothing to do with them in Seattle, but if they were to be a five seed and somehow come to Green Bay, I mean, I actually think that'd be a great matchup because. They don't really scare me a ton unless they're in Green Bay, and the one thing that scares me is Russell Wilson because Russell Wilson is slippery, and he is very good. But I do think that they're sneaky beatable in that fact, that they they don't destroy teams. They leave them opportunities. I mean, look at that game against the Niners. They probably should have lost that three times over in overtime.
0: Yeah, they continue. They play down to the. They play up or down to their opponent. Every game that they played in has been within one score. But I don't know, man. If Russell Wilson's running around the field, I just have a hard time yeah. thinking that this Packers defense is going to stop him and his deep ball. Yeah. I really think that his deep ball is the best in the NFL right now. I think Aaron Rodgers is up there, but I just think the way Russell Wilson throws the ball and somehow some wide receiver comes down with it. Yeah, it's just. I just and I think a lot of it has to do with luck and whatever juju that comes out of Russell Wilson because he is the most positive, energetic. Like he could be down forty nine, nothing, and he'd still go out there and try and win. So I think that has a lot to do with it. And like you kind of heard on Monday Night Football, them talking about how people are starting to buy into the system and they're buying into the way that he's he's kind of running the managing managing the facility and Pete Carroll the way he coaches games, and I just think you put that all together and the knowledge there. I honestly would not – I would face the Saints and the Seahawks, to be honest with you, in the playoffs. But
1: – Especially if you're in a road game, I would – to the Superdome, then have to go to Seattle. Yeah. Now, if you're talking about – yeah, even if you're talking about coming to Green Bay, I would much rather have the Saints. I, I would agree with that, actually, on both fronts. Staying out yeah. last. with the Obviously, the Seahawks and the Niners, outside of probably that NFC North it well and the NFC East, but no one cares. That's probably the 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 tightest and the most compelling uh, division race that we have, especially on the NFC side of things. Who wins it, Niners or Seahawks? Who's going to get that division and likely a first-round buy out of that division?
0: Do you know the rest of the Seahawks schedule?
1: I do. I can give it to you right now. All yeah, right, give,
0: so- me, give me the Seahawks schedule
1: so the Seahawks are at the Rams,
0: okay. then
1: the Panthers, then they're home against the Cardinals, and then home against the Niners to finish out the season.
0: And what are the Niners?
1: Uh, their schedule? Yeah, I got it right yeah. here. Alright, we got... Okay, so they're at the Saints this week, then they'll take the Falcons at home, the Rams at home, and they're at the Seahawks. I mean, let's just break it down. All right, let's go through the Seahawks schedule at the Rams. I actually think they're going to lose this game. Really, I do.
0: I actually, I actually have the Seahawks as a lock of the week this week.
1: Actually, I'm the other way. I actually, I took the, I took the uh, Rams as one of my winners this week. Really, I, I, you know, it's kind of to what I was saying is the way that the Seahawks win these games so close, so lucky. It just feels like. They're bound to lose one of them. Um, I, I think the Rams are playing a little bit better now. I think they're feeling better about themselves. Remember, this is the second time they played them. It's it's tough to beat a team twice. And the Rams should have won that first one in Seattle. They, they missed the field goal. I mean, I know shoulda, woulda, coulda. Missed that game-winning field goal at the end, and the Seahawks won it. But to me, the Rams feel like they're hitting stride a little bit. It's it's in L.A. It's a road game. It just, I don't know, man. And maybe that's me wishing that the Seahawks will lose, but I just I don't see them winning out at this point. I mean, they're gonna lose either to the so I guess it's irrelevant at the Rams. You think they win? I think they lose. Then they're at the Panthers. I think they lose one of those two because they're gonna go to the Rams on the West Coast. And then the, the Seahawks going the East Coast typically don't do too well. Would you agree?
0: Yeah, and I think after the firing of Ron Rivera, you don't really know what kind of – what's going to happen. I don't really like playing teams that just fire their coach because there's that kind of like hoorah mentality and that kind of like if the coach can get fired, then we better play our asses off because we're going to get canned as well. So that kind of – that kind of – thing so I, I do agree with you i do agree i i'll say they go one and one and during that stretch too and i i do think they lose to the panthers i don't think that they lose to the rams i think they lose to the panthers
1: all right we'll call them one and one in that stretch they, <laughs> they have they have them at home against the cardinals i think we both can agree that that's going to be a win for the seahawks
0: yeah and i do agree i think it's going to be a close game and i i think I think it's going to be a close game, but I think the Seahawks will always have control in the sense that the Cardinals will always be kind of chasing a score. You know what I mean?
1: You know, because I think the thing is, is Kyler Murray's quietly had a pretty darn good year for a rookie, you know, with a with really a, has with a team that doesn't have a ton around him. I thought he, he's done a pretty darn good job. And I think he's the and a main... first year
0: head coach.
1: Right, exactly. I think he is the main reason why they, that game is close. But I agree. We both agree. Cardinals get that one. And then the close the close out the season, which will probably be a Sunday nighter. It will be the Seahawks and the Forty Nine ers. Uh, I that one is in Seattle. We know how that first one went. What do you think there?
0: Honestly, that's that's, that's- I'm not in the game of predictions, but I I don't know, man. I, this Forty Nine ers team's tough to beat. I gotta think that they win the division i don't know if it's that game but i gotta think that they win the division yeah i yeah that yeah i, would, I, I, would, I don't I even know that. if it will necessarily come down to that game being that the seahawks could go oh and two and this 49ers could win two games and then it could kind of be you know it could come down to that third game and they could clinch or whatever but even if it does come down to the 49ers playing the Seahawks, I'll take the 49ers to win the division in Seattle, but I'll take Seattle to beat the 49ers in the playoffs, if that makes sense.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. Well, yeah, because, I mean, if the Niners win the division, likely the Seahawks will be. And in our world, if right. they go so well and the Packers end up being the 3 seed, and they win, the Seahawks would have to go to likely the number one seed Niners. And I would agree. I think if the Seahawks go to see, uh, San Fran in the playoffs, despite what's happened in the regular season, I think Seattle wins that game too. I, the, you, you're right in the sense that Seattle has that feeling that when if they get into the playoffs, which they will, that they're just going to have that role where they win games and they win games, and they're the last team that you want to see, you know, your team play against.
0: Yeah, I definitely, I think we can agree the Vikings are relevant this year as well. Their defense is good enough to keep them in the game. I don't think they get past the second round, even if they do win the first round. I don't think Kirk Cousins is, you know, I think we just agree that he, his time in Minnesota is probably up.
1: Here's the only thing that scares me about Minnesota, is playing in Minnesota. That's the only thing. If you get them here in Green Bay, or you get you know, to the Saints, and get, going into Minnesota, that's the only issue, because... They play so well there. Now, granted, they did, They should have lost, what, two, three weeks ago to the Broncos in Minnesota. They, they should have lost that game, and they looked beatable in Minnesota. But as far as a, a Packer fan and seeing what the Packers have done in that stadium, it's been a little house of horrors for the Packers, and that's the last thing I want to do. When the Vikings lost last week, and I knew that all the Packers had to do to the win of the division was win their other three games so they could still lose to the Vikings there. I was singing hallelujah because I personally don't see the Packers going in and beating the Vikings there. And I think that's going to be a tall task for for a lot of teams to go in and win in Minnesota. But unfortunately for the Vikings, I don't think they will get a home playoff game because I think they will be the sixth seed if they make the playoffs. Now there's a bold, do you think the Rams can catch the Vikings?
0: No, I think the Vikings are, I think the only thing the only change you'll see is the eagles may, hit, getting that four spot and winning the division. I think the vikings have all but solidified maybe even the division yet, but they have definitely I think in my opinion have solidified the wild card. Yeah. I don't think there's going to be much movement as just as far as division winners because I think the seahawks either win a division or obviously they're a wild card as well. So I think you know there's seven teams fighting for six spots in the NFC.
1: Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. If, if the Rams don't win this week against the Seahawks, they got the Cowboys at home – or no, they're at the Cowboys after this week, at the Niners and the Cardinals. So if they don't beat the Seahawks this week, they're going to have to probably win at least – probably have to win out because if they lose two more games, they're already at 9-7, and seven, and I don't think 9-7 is going to get you a wild card here. So I would actually – If I'm wrong about the Rams winning this week, I would have to tend to agree with you that they will not make past the Vikings. But what do you take that? What's your take on the Saints here? We've obviously boasted about the Niners and the Seahawks here, but we haven't talked about the team. The one team that's already clinched the division. And is sitting in one seed in the NFC?
0: Yeah, it seems like the Saints kind of flew under the radar this year, actually with the injury from Drew Brees and then, Teddy Bridgewater winning, what, five games in a row? They really didn't miss a beat. So that kind of just – if they can do that with – obviously, Teddy Bridgewater isn't a real backup. He's more or less a starter that isn't a starter anymore. He probably could be a starter, actually, considering Fitzpatrick's playing football. I don't see why Teddy Bridgewater couldn't be a starter. But nonetheless, I think their run game is pretty scary. If Drew Brees is healthy enough, I think he's obviously scary to play at home. But I just I don't know, man. I don't. I'm not sold on the Saints this year. I think when you go and play in the playoffs, like they have the last couple of years, and you play and you get that deep into the playoffs, I think that takes a toll on you mentally, emotionally, and physically. And I just don't see the Saints coming out of this year anything special.
1: Yeah, I think that that loss to the Falcons at home it, that I can't get that out of my head. And I I agree with you that. I think they're beatable. I think that's not going to be the last time we see the Saints have a performance like that, whether it's on the road or it's at home. Honestly, we could see it this week when they play the Niners. Um, But I agree because they're going to be made. We're going to find out who they really are because they still have a decent stretch here to go. They have the Niners at home. Then they have the Colts at home, which if they're healthy, like we said, the Colts could be, could be tough. They got to go to the Titans, which I think will be a tough game. And then at the Panthers, again, we've seen them struggle with divisional opponents, specifically the Falcons. And I think the Panthers are a better team than the Falcons, and they got to go on the road. So, you know, it's not a cupcake stretch for the Saints here down the road. So I agree. I think they're probably, I don't, I'm not as scared of them either. Really, the two teams that scare me in the NFC are the Seahawks and the 49ers.
0: Definitely. I got a question for you, Shampo. If you could be the head coach of one of these 12 playoff teams right now that are in the playoff picture, whether it be the AFC or the NFC, who would you be the head coach of and why?
1: Yeah. um, Outside of me being an extreme Packer fan and obviously wanting to be the uh, head coach of my favorite team, I think that's a little too easy of an answer for me. I'm going to go elsewhere. And I'm going to say, I have two teams. And I guess I'll give you an NFC and an AFC team. But obviously, the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, with the embarrassment of riches that they have, I mean, it it would feel like I was playing Madden. I mean, we talked a lot about Lamar Jackson. But we didn't even mention uh, Mark Ingram. I mean, what he has done for that team, I think, is huge. He's made them balanced. Because while, yes, they can run the ball with Lamar Jackson, now they can actually run the ball as designed runs, and you take some of that load off Lamar Jackson. He can be that pocket passer, and he can he can be creative because you have that other element to your offense that the defense has to respect. And that, that defense for the Ravens is pretty darn good. I don't think people talk about it enough, but that is a very good defense. They're probably the most well-rounded team in this NFL, and that's the reason why we talked so much about them early on. But to me, it's the Ravens and the other team. And I know we just talked down on them a little bit, but the Saints. And only because offensively, I also think that they do have some fun pieces that could be fun to coach. And I think the one interesting wrinkle is Taysom Hill. I mean, I I think that'd be a lot of fun to be able to use Taysom Hill. And how would you use him? Would you use him as like a second quarterback on the field? you know, um, you use them as a tight end, you can use them as a running back. Would you have them be the sole quarterback on the field? The, the plays that you could kind of run up that we've seen Sean Payton and company do. Uh, it would be fun to be doing that firsthand. And I, I I'm a big fan of Alvin Kamara. What he brings to your offense is, is um, insane, quite frankly. All right, Chase, well, right back at you. Who are you taking?
0: I tend to agree with you with the Ravens. I think that's too obvious of an answer though, with, Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram in that defense, like you said, it's just too easy. Um, But in the NFC, I will differ with you. I would love to coach the 49ers on the Bay Area Levi's Stadium. Dude, as that sunset in prime time, you're on the sidelines. You got that monster defensive front four. You have Richard Sherman leading the the secondary. You have Jimmy G, who just apparently doesn't lose football games. And oh, by the way, offensive-minded genius as your offensive coordinator. So I think, and, 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 oh yeah, by the way, all pro hall of fame safety, John Lynch is the general manager. So I don't think that's a, I think that's probably one of the sexier coaching jobs in football right now.
1: I, I could not disagree with you. I mean, you got Jimmy G. I mean, that guy was built to be on a a modeling magazine somewhere. I mean, he is a a pretty man and you know, but uh, all right. So, Let's uh let's kind of get to the end of this NFL talk. We got a lot more to get to as far as the Packers and, and college football chase mode. But I got to know Definitely. what are your three locks of the week? I think we've talked a little bit about some of our picks already. But give me three picks, three locks. You got that you're going home with that are for sure gonna win.
0: See, I don't like taking teams on the road, especially favorite teams that are favored on the road. But I have three of them this week. I'm pretty sure they're all road favorites, and that's the Ravens at the Bills are six point favorites i think the ravens have scored i think they're plus 24 against the spread or something like that this year uh, a, a point differential so yeah i'm just taking the ravens every week that's obviously simple i like the seahawks um i think it was minus one and then i like the titans at minus three the what brable and uh Tannehill are doing in tennessee right now i don't know ride the hot hand yeah. So the, I think those are my three locks of the week. Looking at the board, I don't. I think the Packers obviously win, but 14 points, 13 points is kind of a lot in Lambeau Field. Um, I, thought, I think. I thought that too. I think it's doable, and I think it's going to. I think if they cover that spread, it's going to happen because they just go up 14, 21, nothing early, 21, three early, and they just don't look back. But if the Redskins get on the board first, I don't think. I don't think you see them cover that spread.
1: I, I agree. I think I think the Packers are definitely capable of, of making it that kind of a game, but I think what scares me a little bit with that is the way that the Redskins showed they can run the ball last week, um, and I think that's going to be their game plan, especially the, with how weak the Packers' rush defense has been. Piling the ball with, with Geis and with Adrian Peterson and I, the Packers will win, but I, I don't think it'll be 14 points. I agree. Alright, so my three games, I'm on the other side of the chase, Mo. I got the Rams at plus one. Um, I just, I like you said in the opening, you took all the road teams I, t- I mean, I agree with you, I, I don't like taking road teams and I just feel like the Seahawks are due for a loss, so I'm going to take the Rams there I actually, believe it or not, had the Cowboys in this one tonight at the minus three, I haven't looked at what the score is recently, I've been looking away from my TV, but.
0: It's uh, 17-7 I, Bears
1: Okay, so, well, I do have two other ones, so I would have probably been wrong in this one, but I have I have the Niners going on the road and taking on the Saints at plus two and a half for the San Francisco 49ers. You alluded to it before with that pass rush of the Niners. I think that's going to be the difference in this game. We saw the Falcons go in and beat the Saints in New Orleans with that pass rush. That was the difference. He's getting after Drew Brees, making him uncomfortable, and sacking him a ton of times. The Niners did that to the Packers when they were in San Fran. I think that's the difference in this game, and offensively, they're they're able to be balanced and uh, take care of business. So I got the Niners at uh, plus two and a half, and then I have the Texans. I got the Texans at home against the Broncos uh, at minus, minus nine. nine. Yep. Honestly,
0: i'll 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 add i'll add one more. I'll take the Broncos at at plus nine. Really? Yeah, I just think somehow they. Like they're just somehow in games. I don't know how. I don't know why. I just think nine's a lot of points. I don't know. Give me give me nine points in the Broncos. I, I don't know why other than I think it's not. a
1: lot. Of, I do think it was a lot of points. It took me a while to finally settle on that one. But looking at the Broncos, they didn't look. I mean, they at times early on that game last week against the Chargers, they looked good. But down the stretch of that game, Drew Lock just He started off hot and he fell off. Now, it's his second week. We'll see if he comes back. But against a Chargers team that just seems to kind of be floating out there and just kind of, you know, hanging on for dear life, they didn't look super impressive, and they probably should not have won that game last week, but yet they did. And I think going into Houston, we talked about what we think about Houston. Going into Houston, I just – I think the Texans take care of business. Now, the Texans have been known to kind of lay some eggs this season, but I think they're kind of catching their stride here, and I I feel good about that one. There wasn't a lot of scores, a lot of uh, spreads that I really felt comfortable with this week, so that's the one I'm going with.
0: Nice. So just to recap, I got Ravens minus six, Seahawks minus one, Titans minus three, Broncos plus
1: nine. Yeah, I got the Rams at plus one. Unfortunately, I did have the Cowboys at minus three, but it's not over yet. <laughs> nope. I got, I got the Niners at plus two and a half, and I got the Texans at minus nine.
0: So we'll keep track of these until the Super Bowl, and we will maybe put a bar tab on it.
1: Hey, I'm done with that, buddy.
0: <laughs> All right, sounds good. Well, my phone's going to die, so I'm going to go get the charger, and then we'll probably talk Packers football, huh?
1: Absolutely. When we come back, we're talking nothing but Packer football here for a while. There's a reason why we kind of left a lot of that. So, all right, go charge it up, Chase Moe. We'll be right back.
0: Sounds good. You're listening to the best damn sports talk, period. All right,
1: Chase Moe, you got your phone all charged. Ready to talk some Packers?
0: Yeah, I'm back like I never left, kid.
1: Hey, I like it. I like it. All right, so Packer football here, obviously the Packers are 9-3. and three. That hey, we're not going to have a losing season. That beats the past two years, so I will take it at this point. Uh, but the Packers are two and three. You know, if you if you listen to any sports talk or anything, you know, in Green Bay, the Packers lose one game and the sky is falling. So it's not that bad, but there are some negatives. There are some positives. One thing I will want I want to put out there right away. Can you believe how healthy this team is? And I feel like I shouldn't even say it because now something bad's going to happen. But
0: Yeah, knock on wood, I the, agree.
1: Over the past couple of years, this is a pretty healthy Packer team.
0: Yeah, I mean, with the exception of the same old blog injury, yeah. it's been, you know, pretty pretty healthy. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is healthy. That's all that really matters. Devontae Adams is back and healthy. It's I so- think it's just going to be, what's up?
1: Aside from the Raven Greens of the world and, you know, a few injuries here and there, the Devontae Adams toe, I mean, like you said, it's pretty – you know, they've come through this unscathed.
0: Yeah, it's nice. We're playing December football healthy. It's, it's a different kind of feeling in Green Bay, but we'll take it. So, When's the last I like it.
1: The Packers were in December and didn't have at least three or four starters on IR already.
0: Never. never. That's never happened. No.
1: So I mean, if, if anything else speaks to the change that Matt Lafleur has brought, I, I would say that's probably got to be one of them. But let's that segues, segues us into Matt Lafleur. He is what twelve games, thirteen weeks into his Packer career, and where would you say he's at so far?
0: I would say he's done a pretty decent job. Um, I don't know. He's kind of like it's, and this is kind of the situation he has. He's he's got to watch. He's kind of like that kid that has to watch, you know, the rich person's house for a week and take care of their dog, where he kind of just comes into this good scenario. And all he's got to do is basically make sure that there's not a fire and it doesn't burn down, which, I mean, more credit to him.
1: The last guy who did some house sitting, his name was Mike McCarthy, left the place.
0: Right. And I think he left. Yeah, exactly. It was it was a one two punch, but I think he lets Aaron Rodgers do what Aaron Rodgers does. He lets Zedarius Smith lead the defense. He lets the defense kind of do their thing. He just kind of lets people be them. There's more identity. There's more. There's more fun going around, and I I, I think they're they're getting away from that old school mentality of football, and they're obviously one of the teams to finally come into the new era of football where it is fun. It is about the team, but it is also you know, about being together and dancing and doing all this shit on the field. I do think that's as some as it is annoying at some times, but I do think it is important to build chemistry and stuff like that where you can allow these players to be themselves. So I think that's that's yeah. one positive I do like from the floor.
1: Yeah. No, I, I think culture is definitely a big difference with this team and one of the reasons why they're having a much better record at this point than we've seen the past couple seasons. And and if you listen to any interviews done by the players, you hear it come up a lot where they talk about the culture. I mean, Rogers brings it up a lot in post game press conferences that, I mean, it's just fun to be there. The guys are having fun. They want to be around each other, whether it's, you know, on the field, off the field, away from the facility, they're, they're just enjoying themselves more. And it, I think that goes to the culture that they're trying to kind of put back together here in green Bay that, that kind of got stale and dysfunctional under, under the Mike McCarthy regime. And yeah, I mean, it, it's, it it makes sense. I mean, if you're having fun, if if you like the guy you're playing with the chemistry and the on-field products going to be better, if you absolutely dislike the guy next to you, I mean, you're not really going to care if he gets blindside blocked or whatever. I mean, right. So, I mean, the culture I think is a big thing, but, One of the biggest issues with the Mike McCarthy era was that offense got stale and we're not seeing that anymore. I I think we're seeing a little bit more innovative. I know some of the issues with that Niners loss as they got back to some of the stuff they did in the Mike McCarthy era, but overall, I I, I think they're utilizing those running backs that Mike McCarthy never did, you know, and they probably, they have less tools as far as receivers go than they ever did in that era. Um, what, What do you think about that?
0: I do agree with that. It, I, it's like a, you know, a stale bag of chips, you know, you just don't want it anymore. You don't, you know what I'm saying? You, you, you kind of know what it's like to play for a coach who's on his way out, because we actually went through that in high school. You played for a coach who was on his way out and I played for a coach who was coming on his way in. And you talk about a shift in culture. And, and I think there was a lot of times in practice where players weren't doing the little things because they didn't want to, they didn't, want to play for this guy anymore and the year after we got a new coach the little things were done and the intensity was revved up so I do think you know like I kind of said earlier with Ron Rivera it's it's playing for a different coach it's that fire that's lit underneath your ass in practice and that's I think that's what translates to the field but going into the strengths yeah go ahead
1: no keep going you're good
0: Going into the strength of the season, I wrote down three off the top of my head, and you alluded to one earlier. So let's kind of talk about them one by one. And I think the strength is of this def- or of this offense is the run game. It yeah. hasn't been that since, what, Amon Green and William Henderson were a one-two punch in Green Bay, and we finally see that in, you know, I, in what Lafleur is doing with the screen game and such. So what do you because, think about the run game?
1: Well, I think I'm just going to – I'm gonna kind of jump back into history and, and dispute that a little bit. I, I think they've had it in in small chunks since Amon Green, but from um, a sustainable year to year to year to year to year running game, yeah, that's the last time they had it. But I mean, we've seen it in flashes with Ryan Grant. You know, he was a what a 1,200 yard rusher for two or three years straight, maybe a, a little bit more than that. Um, you see, there it was back to back 1,200 yard or back to back thousand yard rusher. So we've seen it at times, but you're right. I mean, this really feels like the first time that they've had threat at the running back position since Amon Green, and not just not just running the ball, but running backs that can be a threat in the new NFL in the passing game and in the running game.
0: I do agree with you, and I will say this though: I think that running game in the past that you're talking about with Lacey and those other guys was set up by Rodgers' pass game, and I now think that. That's the true. Packers are are setting up the run, or they're setting up the screen game and the passing game with the run game. That ability to move the guy, and you saw it in San Diego; they couldn't control the line of scrimmage. What happens? They lose control of the game. They yep. fall out of touch. Their game plan's done. And you yep. know when you get off track and you lose your game plan, I don't I don't think people understand. That's your blueprint. That's that's literally what you're doing in a game. And if you get off your game plan, everything you've done for the last six and a half days is is worthless. So. Well, and when in the NFL, it's it's really important. I guess is what I'm saying.
1: And, and to that point, you look at the Packers' offense and their three weakest performances. You got to put Chicago in there; they only scored ten points in that game. Granted, it was Week One, but you got to put Chicago in there. And then, like you said, um, L.A. the Chargers and the Niners. Well, all three of those games, they were not able to to get a push up at that line of scrimmage. They were not able to establish the running game. And those backs, whether it was a running game or the passing game, they were not able to get them involved. So, to your point, it's while this is an offense that is driven by Aaron Rodgers and goes as far as Aaron Rodgers goes, we, we we've also seen it at times fail when that those running backs are not uh, integral parts as well.
0: Yeah, I hundred percent agree, and that's kind of what scares me with Minnesota. Going back to kind of what we were talking about earlier, that Minnesota defensive line with Everson Griffin, he is a monster, man. And if in Chicago is kind of the same way. I I don't think that we have to really worry about Chicago, but their defensive line is is freaking good. And when you have a good defensive line, dude, that can disrupt, especially a zone run team. And that's pretty much what the NFL is. It's all it's a lot of zone run because of the game. So so fast and when you can disrupt that when you can get guys who can't go block at the next level and linebackers can step up and make tackles in the hole that changes the whole complexity of a drive and then that ultimately affects the whole outcome of a game
1: right yeah no absolutely all right Chase. won't give me another another strength
0: this is gonna come at a part a phase of the game that i take i don't take lightly special teams Mason Crosby is having a year man he's having a year
1: yeah and you know the game that he had last week uh, two days after his sister-in-law passes away from from cancer and he's able to do what he does you know um he he's bad yeah he gets a bad rap for um 2012 and the the Lions game that he had last year I think some people, when it comes to Packer fans, I don't think realize what the Packers have. And I don't think they'll realize it until we don't have it anymore, unfortunately. I mean, Mason, if you look around the NFL, look at the Bears, look at, I mean, heck, look at the Niners when they didn't have Robbie Golden. Bucket You know, yeah. Sure. It, it's, it's, yeah, Falcons had it. The Packers are spoiled. Janikowski. With, yeah, the Packers are spoiled with, their, with Mason Crosby. And you're right, what he's doing this year, is incredible. And down the road, when you get in the playoffs in bad weather and in domes and loud situations, you have a guy like that that can bang through a fifty one yard field goal like he did in that playoff game against Dallas, you know, when when he's gotta have ice in his veins, that guy has done it, and that's the guy you want. So I totally agree. And to kind of build off your point, JK Scott I think had a couple weeks there where he was down, but J.K. Scott is is having having himself a good year as well um i i think like i said he got he got hot started the season really well i think in the middle part of the season he tailed off but he's he had a good week last week uh, and this we would never have said this in previous years that the special teams is a strength of this team finally it's one of their. i would agree it's finally one of their strength they still don't return the ball very well but if you can kick and you can punt i'll take that
0: See, I ha- it's funny because I have special teams as actually a weakness, but I think the spe- as far as special teams goes, uh, flipping the field and putting points on the board, I definitely think that aspect of special teams is a positive. I don't think the return game, any sort of coverage and blocking is – I think that whole scheme is just not working well at all. Yeah. But I don't know. I think the return, the kick return game in the NFL is very hard, obviously, since everything's a touchback and – Everything's a flag nowadays, but still, you look—they can't return the—they can't return punts. I think that one guy they just cut was like negative seven yards or negative .7 yards on return average. I guess so. How are you?
1: I guess for me, I—I I feel like in in modern day NFL, I've tapered my expectations as far as special teams has gone. And if you can, if you're making field goals, if you're putting the ball, and if you can cover, which I'll agree, I don't think the Packers have covered very well. I I am okay if the guy fair catches the ball every single time. I would much rather oh, I agree. fair catch that ball than fumble it. You know, then come out of the end zone like Ty Montgomery did and fumble the ball in L.A. and Rodgers doesn't even touch the ball. You know, so yep. I, yep. To me, I, I think if you got if you got Crosby kicking the ball, if you got J.K. punting the ball, it you you can have a semblance of covering punts. I'm okay. I do get what what you're saying though as far as not being able to return the ball and not being able to block very well. But
0: But if, if you're if you're in that special teams meeting and you're and you're the punt returner and you can't walk into the meeting room and say, like, I contribute to the team in some form of, like, even if you're getting 13 yards of return, not, okay, 13 yards of return might be a little bit much, but if you can get a 15-yard return here and a 12-yard return here and give Rodgers that extra little, like, 10, 12 yards where, you know, we can maybe suck the life out of, some, of them for a little bit, and it's something that we're just missing, I guess. But I do agree with you just – Take control of the ball. Don't fumble. I'll be happy. I
1: would even settle with five to seven yards. I mean, that's, that's the equivalent of the guy fair catching it. And the Packers come out in their first drive and they run the ball for five yards. I mean, if you're getting a five-yard gain, you'll take that every time. If, If you just catch the ball and go straight, like you see these guys who dance around and try to find this hole to get that, you know, 30 yard return, go forward, five yards, go forward, seven yards. I mean, we watched enough football to understand what the difference of five to seven yards. There's a reason why they call it a game of inches. If you can get forward and get anything, and you can get five to seven yards, fake <coughs> it. It's better than fair catching it every time.
0: <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, and I think when you see these teams hire these analytic guys, uh, a lot of teams already have. I think you might start to see a different trend in, like, doing that, getting seven yards thirty times in a season well, you know, may put six, seven, eight, nine points on the board and be the difference in two or three games. Yeah, absolutely. I think we'll see that. But my third positive is it comes as a duo, and I think we can both agree that the Smiths on defense are ultimately the difference in, you know, even the defense just being in games. Nineteen, I think they have 19 sacks combined. Um, Something that we haven't seen in Green Bay in a while is just two – two guys since I think Clay Matthews in what his second year had what, 10 sacks? Yeah. yeah. His year maybe. I don't know. Kabir Baja Biamila, Aaron Campman, Reggie White. I think, you know, I don't know if there's any other guys that really
1: well, right.
0: came off the edge These guys do. Well,
1: and having two at once, like you said, when they, had, when they had Kabir, it was Kabir. I think he was still there a little bit when Campman was there, but it really was kind of one guy at a time. They had Kabir, they had Campman, then they had Matthews, and then they didn't really have anybody. You know, to, to have two guys like this that can rotate in, and, it, I mean, they've they made immediate impacts, and it, it's, it's kind of baffling to me that, like, the Packers, for all these years, didn't sign free agents, and all of a sudden, it worked out this well. I mean, I, I don't think I expected it to work out this, while I really thought that they would be veteran guys to come in, I thought Rashawn Gary would play more of a role. I thought uh, Kyler Fackrell would get more snaps. But I think quickly everyone realized that these guys need to be on the field every play they can be. And they're playmakers. I mean, you see in the games in which they, they don't get to the quarterback, in which they, they don't put pressure or get sacks, this defense is a completely different defense when they're not making plays. So if you're a team – scheming up against the Packers on how to beat them on the, on the defensive side of the ball, you have to neutralize those two guys. Cause if you do, you'll have time to throw the ball and there'll be holes. Cause we've seen it when the Packers are not able to get after the passer. It happened in, it happened in uh, LA against the chargers. If you can't get to the quarterback, it, it, I mean, but that's anybody's second year. If you can't get to the quarterback, you're done. You know, you, they're going to throw all over you, but, you're right. It's been an, a big impact, those two, and uh, it's paying dividends so far.
0: A hundred percent. And I think, like you said earlier, Rashawn Gary, I'm actually fine with him sitting behind these two and learning because what's the sense of putting him out there to get his ass thrown around the field? Yeah. If he can just sit behind, stay fresh, right. put on a few pounds of muscle. I, it's almost like he's red, red-shirting red in, in a yeah. sense.
1: Well, yeah, I was just kind of hoping he'd come in and, and, you know, something would click and he'd be able to play more. But I agree, he's not ready. He was an interesting pick for me. I, I think the way that the board fell, they kind of just didn't have anyone to take. They couldn't move out. I think he was sitting there in his lap. I mean, no doubt the kid's an athletic freak. If you look at his combine, if you, you know, he's an athletic freak. The big problem is he had three sacks his, his last year at Michigan three sacks. With, with the numbers he posted and like the combine didn't match the film. The guy is a much better athlete to just be getting to the quarterback three times. So I think, so I was kind of hoping he gets the NFL, that you get an NFL coach in his year, you coach him up. And maybe this is the year he needs, you know, like you said, being seasoned by Preston Smith and Smith learning from, from two very good pass rushers. Maybe he'll get there. Um, and maybe he'll turn into something, but uh, he's an interesting prospect in, the, in that fact, I thought.
0: Yeah, no doubt. But I guess you're right. The NFL is all about adjusting and can you make the play? Yeah. So I do agree with that. But, you know, I don't know. I think those are my three positives of the season so far. Um, you know, aside from the obvious, Aaron Rodgers and, you know, Devontae Adams, blah, blah, blah. But when you really look at the Packers and break down their success, I think that those three aspects are kind of what stood out to me. But you know, are there anything? Is there anything that differs in your in your mind?
1: You know, i I think I think the some of the positives. I I think there is one positive I'm going to say it's it's overcoming a negative, and I think it's offensively. You know, you look at one of the holes. I think offensively on the outside looking in is that receiving core. I mean, you look at what he's still throwing to, even, even throw the tight ends into that. Devontae Adams, and who else? You know what I mean? We've seen Alan Lazard at times. We've seen Mark, Marquise Valdez Scantling at times, Jake Kumaro at times. You know, Jimmy Graham shows up here and there. But the fact that when Adams was out, it was like panic time. But Rodgers is able to, you know, go to the running backs, use Lazard one game, use Geronimo one game, still spread the ball around I mean it's the obvious like you said Rodgers is a positive but I thought that was one of his most impressive works um in his career was being able to work with that kind of a group I mean he was dealing with at best I think maybe one drafted receiver in that situation that was Marquise. he was I think he's the only one in that group that would have been drafted Lazard was not drafted Geronimo was not drafted um uh uh, Kumaro was not drafted. So that to me is a positive when, when you have, you have guys go down, which hasn't happened very often. Like we said, you're able to to step up and, and not miss a beat. And you could argue those four weeks without Adams may have been their best four weeks. They played all year. You know, what does that say about your team when you don't have one of your better offensive players? So to me, I, I guess it's, I don't know how you want to say it, but getting, you know, moving past adversity, you know, rolling with the punches the Packers did a really good job of that and had their best streak of the season
0: yeah I think you could argue uh, offensively you are better when everyone gets involved I think yeah. that's true of football I think that's true of hockey I think that's true of basketball yeah and uh they say hitting's contagious in baseball so I agree that uh, Rogers is definitely better when he can spread it around you know it's kind of like dinner just spread it around like butter you know get it to your playmakers get it get it to the open spots and just let these guys run for 10, 12 yards. I think that's when the Packers offense is at its best, yep. but enough rainbows and lollipops, you know, give me some, give me some negatives. Give me something that worries you going into playoffs. Give me something as a first year head coach. What is Lafleur? What should he be worried about? What do you think is kryptonite is going into the playoffs as an unproven coach who has never been there before?
1: Well, the West Coast is one of them.
0: Yeah, the Achilles heel of the Green Bay Packers.
1: Uh, I mean, I don't know what it was about the West Coast, and, and to touch on that quick, I when they went out to the Chargers, they had left on that Friday, and there was, you know, Rogers had even mentioned in his post game press conference that guys were off their feet, and a lot of guys had an experience at LA, and so um, some guys probably didn't get the rest that they should, and that was one of the reasons why they had such a lackadaisical performance. In LA, you think so? Then they went to um, San Francisco and they decided to change that. They decided to go Saturday and think they didn't think the time change was as big of a deal. I thought Matt LaFleur had learned, I thought it was brilliant. And they went out and a similar thing happened. That game was almost a mirror image of the Charger game, except they got blown out more because they played a better team. I mean, that's really the only difference there. Um, so. If you ask me, if they can just stay away from the West Coast the rest of the season, I'll be fine. Um, but I, I do think one of the biggest issues, and it, it wasn't something I expected, but man, that run defense has just not been good. It is, it, you know, even last week, it was better against the Giants. But remember, yeah, they have Saquon Barkley, but the Giants were not running the ball very well coming into that game. And they probably just had one of their better games running the ball against the Packers. So while they only held Saquon about 80 some yards rushing, like I said, they, that was, that was the Giants getting off the schneib of the running game. And they actually got it going a little bit. Um, and they probably would have kept running the ball had, had the Packers not pulled out there in that second half. So I, I think they need, ultimately, I think it's a personnel issue. I don't think it's something that you change your scheme. You know, I think it's something they're going to have to deal with. Uh I would love them to, to be able to, to get Raven Green back because I think he helps in that middle a little bit. Um, they don't have another linebacker. I mean, B.J. Goodson's all right, but a guy next to Blake Martinez would do him wonders, and that's just not going to happen this time of year. So if if the, the big thing is it's going to come down to the Packers <clears throat> dictating their game on offense. They need to get leads so that the defenses are throwing against them because that plays into the Packers' strength. If the Packers can get up, and I think it's something they need to do this week so that the Redskins are not able to run the ball right down their throat all game long, you got to get up. you got to get up on them fast. You need a 14-point lead in the first half. And then guess what? Now they're throwing the ball, and then you let your boys hunt. You let the Smith brothers get after the quarterback, and you don't have to worry about that run defense. So you got to try to gear the game. Fast starts is what the Packers need to kind of get around that run defense force the teams to not to use it, because that's what happened to the Cowboys. I think if they get into, now the Cowboys, well, they're they're knocking on the door here, but if the Cowboys, uh, if in that game, had that been a closer game, I think Zeke would have reared his ugly head a little bit more, but the Packers were able to get out to such a big lead that the running game wasn't nearly as much of an issue as I think it would have been had that been a close game throughout.
0: It's simple. The Packers can't stop the run, and it's because Blake Martinez is making tackles nine yards down the field. Yeah. And Kenny Clark hasn't been the same Kenny Clark that we've seen in the past. I, 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 you don't have that guy like Charles Woodson in 2010 that comes up and can stop the run from the secondary. Like Tremont Williams isn't going to come up and stop the run. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if Savage or Amos I think Amos can can stick guys, but he can only stick guys coming across the middle in the pass game. I mean, he is a good open field tackler, but that's more kind of in the red zone. But but they're going to need some guy in the secondary to stop the run is basically what I'm saying. If they can compete in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, right. And and the problem is, as you look at that defensive line, yeah, Kenny Clark is there. but Like you said, I think he's taking a step back. But the other problem is he's really the only quality piece they have on that defensive line. I mean, I know they extended Dean Lowry in the offseason, but, I mean, Dean Lowry, realistically, I mean, you look at that defensive line that the Niners have or the Bears have. I mean, we've talked about the Vikings front seven. I mean, Dean Lowry does not match up. I mean, that, that he's, you know, Tyler Lancaster, Montrevious Adams. I mean, you got decent pieces, but again, you got low end draft picks or undrafted guys like Tyler Lancaster and then you got one first-round pick with Kenny Clark. and You don't have any investments there, so I guess it's not a surprise that the output they're getting. I think they they miss Mike Daniels more than they thought they would.
0: Um, I agree.
1: and I mean, because I, I actually didn't realize we'd miss him that much. I, I was kind of one a guy that was down on Mike Daniels at times, saying that he disappeared in big games and he wasn't always there. But, you know, I would love to have him back now because I'm realizing – he might've been a bigger factor than I realized, but yeah, they're just undermanned. I think they're in that front seven. They, they're, they don't have a lot of pieces on that D line and outside of Blake Martinez, there's not else in that middle. And like you said, Blake Martinez is good, but again, he's a fourth down draft pick. He's, he's not a Luke Keekley He's not, he's not a Leighton vanderesh He's a, he's a good guy. He leads the league in tackles but again that's because no one on the d-line is making those tackles
0: right yeah he's he's having opportunities that a lot of other guy other middle linebackers wouldn't have right and i think mike daniel i think lowry's capitalizing on a contract where mike daniels was getting double teamed a lot and he was winning these one-on-ones yeah on the outside and now he's not getting that and you can see where they're doing these combo blocks and these they're getting out schemed and like like you said, outmanned in the front seven and that's a problem. So I don't know if they can afford to man cover and put eight guys in the box to stop the run, but they're going to have to do something and they're going to need some guy in the secondary to either step up and play man coverage, whether that's Jair or Savage stop the run. I don't know. One of those two basically has to happen if the Packers want to make any sort of run.
1: Right. I agree. And I, you know, on top of that, from the run defense, it also stems that there's no one in that middle of that defense line, that, that defense up front, to get a semblance of a pass rush. Because even if even if the Smith brothers come off the edge, you just step up into a clean pocket. There's no one resetting that line of scrimmage a yard or two back in the backfield. You know, there's no stepping up into your center, into your offensive lineman, and now you're sacked. I mean, you got your guys on the outside. That's great. But if you got somewhere to step up into and you got no one pressuring up the middle, again, you're kind of in the same spot. You were, you don't have much of a pass rush. And we've seen that at times where you're just able to step up into a clean pocket or you sneak out. And when you play a team like the Seahawks and Russell Wilson, yeah, it's great to get that on the outside, but if you don't have anything squeezing up the middle, he's going to sneak out and that's when he turns you. So that's another thing to keep an eye on is that pass rush up the middle. If the Packers decide because they don't blitz much up the middle. So if they decide to have to start blitzing or, or get a little bit more, you know, sneaky with that scheme, but that's another thing to keep an eye on as well.
0: Yeah. yeah. One reason I don't think they're blitzing much is because I think they're saving all their blitz packages for the the playoffs when they need them. Yeah. I think, I don't think they're going to give away their designs and their schemes or their blitz packages in the regular season when, Come playoff time, you have that on tape, and you go to use it again, and it's going to be blocked. So. Yeah, and
1: if you can make it work, if you can get there without having to do it, I mean, why not? You know, it's working so far.
0: Yeah. I definitely think the playoffs are different in that sense where you, you have these teams where there's really only six or seven teams that have a legitimate chance to win a Super Bowl, and those seven teams have been preparing for the Super Bowl since the first day of OTAs and minicamps. So the the idea that you don't look past the team is true, but that the same idea you're also keeping that end goal in mind, where you're also preparing to win a championship. So when you hear things like, you know, we got to work on this and we got to work on that, it's because the end goal in mind is not to beat a team in week thirteen; it's to win a Lombardi Trophy. So you know, as a casual fan, it's hard to keep that in mind.
1: Right. No, absolutely, absolutely. Trying to think of a few other negatives here. <laughs> I mean, I touched on the receiving core as far as a positive, what Rodgers was able to do with it when Adams was out. But at the same time, I think he's still I think it can be a positive in the way that guys step up, but I think it can also be a negative in the fact that it isn't super consistent. You don't you don't have a guy maybe that's maybe that's on the floor, not not just saying, hey, you're our number two and going with him. But it's not like you have Adams and then you know, Lazard is that guy consistently being that number two, or Kumaro is consistently getting those number two targets, or Scantling is consistently getting those number two targets. It's one week it's Drama, one week it's Scantling, one week it's it's Kummer. And I think that can be a positive because it who do you guard? But at the same time I think it you know, for Rodgers, with as young as these receivers are, you still see those plays where they're not on the same page and they're they they do not have that rapport because it's not like when he had Nelson out there and Jennings and Jones and driver and and even Adams where he always had them. And then the young guys came up and saw how it was and it was seamless and you stepped right in. Now it's, you kind of got Adams and everyone else and it's, it's work in progress on the go. So while I do think there's positive aspects to that, because you can spread the ball around, I think finding a consistent two and three and gaining that rapport is something they're still missing.
0: What are your realistic playoff? What are your realistic playoff expectations for the Green Bay Packers this year?
1: You know, I I would like to say Super Bowl or bust. I really would. I just don't know if they're quite there yet for that to be a realistic expectation. Um, you know, I, I don't. They're not. That, I don't think that can be realistic. I think in Green Bay you're used to having Rodgers. You're going to win the Super Bowl. But Matt LaFleur has never navigated a playoffs as a head coach before. I just don't – I mean, yes, they could get to the Super Bowl. Yes, they probably – they maybe could win a Super Bowl. But, you know, they're they're still a very young team, a very young head coach. Rodgers always gives you a chance. But I would say, realistically, the NFC Championship game, just getting there I think is a very realistic goal. And I think they're capable of doing that. Getting beyond it, I think that that could be another thing.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they see an early exit in the playoffs. To be honest with you, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they somehow draw, you know, the Seahawks or some something shakes out where they they get the short end of the stick, and you know, the floor just gets out coached because it's the playoffs. I, I I don't put it past them. You know, I'm really not too high on this team as a playoff team this year. But I, I'm not trying to be negative. But I this. I
1: don't see them losing. I don't I don't see them losing one and done at home. Now I could be wrong, but also that depends on the matchup. Like likely, let's say they get the three seed. Likely, it's probably Minnesota that they would face based on what we're seeing right now. I think. Now, it would probably have something to do with what happened in Minnesota in Week 16, but I don't see the Packers losing in Lambeau to the Vikings. Now, hmm. if they're the two seed, it depends on who they get there. I, I think it depends a lot on who they, who they get. I agree. They, they look like a team that could look at an early exit. I, I can see that 100% because what do you have to be able to do in January football. You have to be able to run the ball, which means what do you have to do? You have to be able to stop the run and they can't do that. And we've seen them now the past couple weeks, they didn't run the ball well against the giants in bad weather. They didn't run the ball well out in San Francisco. Guess what? You're probably going to have to play them to get to the super bowl. So you do have a point there that there are some aspects lacking that you have to do in playoff football that I don't know if the Packers are doing very well right now. Now, granted, we always say it. It's about the team that's peaking at the right time. They got four weeks to go. They may be peaking when they leave Detroit. So we'll see. But I, I, I like I said, every year I want to say they're going to go to the Super Bowl, but I think they can get to the conference championship. But I, you could very well be right on that one.
0: I think it's fair to say that the season begins December first, and these next four weeks are basically. The preseason to the postseason, if that makes sense. Yeah, and they got they got four weeks to tune it up, and then it's 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 go time. You know what I mean? So I think it is a little premature to be saying that they could you know they could lose, but we'll see what these next four weeks have in have in, have in store for the Green Bay Packers. But you and I will be at the uh, the Redskins game, Lambeau Field. The place is going to be rocking, man. It's going to be one of those games where you basically are just tailgating, having a good time. You have no really worry in the world that the Redskins are going to come to Lambeau Field and win. It's going to be mainly a social event. Um, your thoughts on this Sunday, you know, what? What, are, what is your game plan going into this Redskins game at Lambeau Field, noon kickoff? What are you thinking?
1: I, I actually haven't been back in Lambeau since I want to say it was the Raider game. Earlier this year, I didn't go to the Panther game. So, I'm excited to be back there. I think it's going to be a, a raucous crowd. I know Rodgers was in one of his press conferences this week asking the fans to be nice and loud. Um, I, I mean, I'm not expecting the Packers to get upset. I do think the Redskins could be a little tougher than a lot of people think. One, because we're watching right now, the Cowboys are probably about to lose, which means the Redskins are not out of it. And no. And the other thing is, if they can run the football like they did last week, that that team last week against the Panthers had no quit. They were down 14 to nothing and they came back and clawed their way into that game. They ran all over that defense. That looked like a team that is still playing football. And in December, if you can run the ball. So, again, I'm not saying that the Redskins are going to upset them, but I think the Redskins need to be taken a little more seriously than maybe some people think. And if the Redskins can run the ball, get going, it could be scary. But I think the Packers come out firing. They come out aggressive. They're back home. The weather will be pretty good, so they should be able to sling it pretty well. I I think the Packers win. We talked about this earlier, but I I think the Packers win. I don't know if it will be by 14. Um, But I'm going to give you a prediction, though. I do think it's going to be the Packers uh, 31-21 at home.
0: Yeah, I could see like a 31-19 scenario somehow. So, actually would that would that mean they cover the spread? How many is that, 12? Uh, yeah, so they would not cover the spread. No. 31-19 Packers.
1: Yeah. So,
0: that's my prediction.
1: Yeah. I mean, the Redskins are very beatable. I think I think these next two games are going to be a little more difficult than people think. I even think the Bears Honestly, more because of their defense, Not, although I'm surprised the Bears have put 31 points up. That's a little surprising, but I think that's probably more about the Cowboys than it is about the Bears. Um,
0: yeah, definitely.
1: Um, but the Bears' defense still scares me a bit. I know that was week one, but the Packers did not handle that defense well at all in week one. Um, they're a different team. The Packers and the Bears are both different teams now, as we're much farther into it here. Um, I think that's going to be interesting. I think a big key, and I think a big key for every game going forward for the Packers is establishing the run. Because we saw it last week, it took a little bit for that offense to get going when they couldn't run the ball. they can get back to running the ball, they can get back to that play action. It opens up so much more in that offense. So I think every game the key is run the ball. But I also think a fast start's key this week.
0: So if Jason Garrett has a job tomorrow, are you going to be surprised?
1: Part of me says a little bit only because if they haven't fired him by now, I mean, I mean, because yes, they have still been in it, but they'll still be in it tomorrow too. I don't, I would say yes, only because they're still in a division race. I mean, if Jerry Jones realistically wants to win the division still, I don't think the answer would be to fire your head coach, but at the same time, he hasn't been impressive. So, I don't know. What do you
0: think? I would actually – see, I'm going to counter that. I'm going to say the opposite. I think if you're in this, still in the division race and this guy clearly is not – if you think in your mind that this guy cannot get you to a Super Bowl and you're still in the division race, I would fire him and see what your team does. And, yeah. You know, they rally around each other.
1: See how they react. It's not, <clears throat> it's not working now. So – Yeah. Switch it
0: up, I guess. But I, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think either way you're still not in it. You know what I mean? However, however you, you know, put it, you know, it's still the Dallas. this
1: This is not a game that Dallas should have gone on the road and lost. I mean, Dallas is the better team. Dallas is the more talented team. And you could say that about probably a ton of games that they have played this year. And they have continuously laid eggs in games so, I mean, to your point, I guess, yeah, I I guess I would probably be a little bit surprised. I don't know. Only because I feel like if Jerry would do it now, he would have done it by now. But you're right. I mean, why not? <coughs> division race. See, see how your team reacts. If they don't react, well, you're probably already out of the playoffs anyway. If they react well, you might win the division. It's a good point.
0: I think that's what you do. You draft a quarterback and get a new head coach. And... You see what Dax made of.
1: You would draft a quarterback with Dax still on the roster.
0: Yeah, is it is this his last year of his contract?
1: Well, yes, but uh, likely they will probably franchise tag him. that's, yeah. that's what the rumor is that they're going to franchise tag and make him prove it one more year, and then like, and then they might Kirk Cousins him and do another franchise tag or sign him. I just don't. I mean, with with where they're at now. And if they get a new head coach, they come in next year ready to compete. I don't know if it makes sense. Now, maybe taking a quarterback in the third or fourth round, but taking a first or second round quarterback for a team that's looking to add pieces and compete next year in a wide open division, I don't know if it makes sense if you have Dak back and if, if you believe in him enough to be your quarterback next year to then go draft someone in the first or second round. I don't know if that makes a lot of sense. i like a quarterback in the fourth round for them, a flyer, a guy who falls, you know, that you think, you know, has a, has, you know, can get coached up, can sit. And maybe if Dak isn't your guy, you don't want to pay him, then you throw him in. I just don't know if drafting a guy, you know, for a second round is the, well,
0: the move it's, to it's move. going to depend on their pick. But here's the thing. If you don't believe in Dak and you don't re-sign him this year and you just franchise tag him, that, that doesn't give me much, you know, hope for the long haul. But if you get a, if you do fire Jason Garrett and you do get a new head coach, that's, the first thing you need, uh, the guy he needs his guy. You know what I mean. So if his guy isn't Dak Prescott, if he doesn't sign off on him as his guy, they're going to have to draft someone that this coach approves of. Agreed. You know what I mean. But if
1: you're if you're going to draft a quarterback though, you might as well let Dak walk. I don't. I, I, I right. I, I don't see the point in keeping Dak because what is that doing for Dak's psyche? I mean, you're you're first of all you're investing in Dak, so there's no benching him. If you if you franchise take Dak, you're paying him what? A lot of money. A ton of money. And so you're stuck with him. You're not you're not going to bench him because if you do, that's a disaster. You've already you're not making the playoffs if you're benching your franchise take quarterback, right? So but if you're if you're ready to turn the page and you're you're ready to draft someone enough, that means Dak's definitely not the guy. So you might as well let him walk. I, I unless again you're going to take a guy in the 4th 5th round that you think, you know, if Dak doesn't pan out in a year or two, you can turn the reins over to maybe. I don't know. But I think this they're going to be at crossroads, like you said. They, they let Jason Garrett go. They're going to have to make a decision. Is Dak our guy? Is Dak not our guy? Who's our coach? Who's his guy? There's decisions to be made. It's, it's definitely interesting. Lincoln Riley's name kind of gets floated around a lot when, when coaching vacancies open up. And I think his name has been floated around a lot with the Dallas job. It'll be interesting to see if he is the guy, if Dak is his guy, you know. Or Jalen Hurts is coming out. If Lincoln Riley does become the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys and they have a decent pick and Jalen Hurts falls, is that the guy they go with and they they let Dak Prescott go or trade Dak Prescott? I don't know.
0: Yeah, I guess it all does come down to do you fire Jason Garrett and how soon do you fire Jason Garrett? Because I don't think Jason Garrett makes it past Saturday, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, unless unless they let him go and he makes a run through the playoffs, Jason Garrett definitely is done after this season. It's just a matter of win at this point.
0: Yeah, I tend to agree with that.
1: Right. So, Chase Moe, what do you say we uh... – We checked that charge on the phone here real quick, and we'll pop back here and talk some NCAA football. We got conference championship matchups this week we got to talk about here. Let's, uh, Let's take a bathroom break, and we will be right back with that.
0: Sounds good, man. You're listening to the Best Damn Sports Talk, period. All right, Champoll, we got a big weekend of college football. It's conference championship weekend, kind of the weekend everyone's been really waiting for. It hasn't really been a good year of college football, to say the least. Alabama's down. Um, there really isn't a clear-cut favorite. You know, there's three teams in Ohio State, in LSU, and in Clemson that have proven themselves, you know, to be legit contenders. I think the fourth seed in the in the uh, college football playoff is still up for grabs. It looks like it's going to be between Utah and Georgia. So we'll kind of see what this um this weekend has in store. But what's got you excited this weekend? What games are you looking to watch? What game, what game out of this lineup, you know, is a must-see game for you this weekend?
1: Well, I think it's got to be Georgia LSU because I think no matter 100% I think no matter who wins and who loses, there's repercussions. You know, LSU wins. Like you said, that number four spot is still wide open. If Georgia wins, now what? I mean, Georgia's in, obviously. Does LSU get in as a one-loss non-conference champion who just lost, you know, to get in? No one's ever backed in to the college football playoff, you know, by losing and still getting in, do they still get in? Does, you know, do they then take Oklahoma, Utah? What what if Utah loses to Oregon? You know, then what do you do? But I think it's Georgia, LSU, because there's so much that hinges on both of those. Complete chaos happens if LSU loses, and the door is still open if Georgia loses.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I do think... I think Ohio State's your number one seed. I think even if they lose, they'll be a two seed. Um, I don't see them losing to Wisconsin, though. I really don't. I think 16.5-point favorites, I think that's a little high. I wouldn't I, I wouldn't put any money on that, but I think that they would – I think I wouldn't be surprised if they cover that spread.
1: You know, to me, I, looking at that spread and looking at the Virginia Clemson spread, both of those, to me, I, I get Clemson has – Blown out just about everyone they've played outside of North Carolina. But to me, a t- a minus a 29 in a conference championship game, I just – it. and now I'm saying it'll probably happen, but I just see that Virginia comes out, gives a better effort. I'm not saying Virginia won't lose by 24. They might. Just 29 is a lot of points to lose a conference championship game. I get Clemson is good. But Clemson also hasn't really been tested. Now, I don't know if Virginia's the team to test them, but you know, that I, I also wouldn't put money on that 29. I think that's a tough one. I don't think Ohio State's gonna cover that minus 16 and a half. Only because they, they blew Wisconsin out earlier on in the season. It's tough to be a team that bad twice. And it's not fair. it's not in Ohio State. It's neutral site. I think if Wisconsin can learn from what they did, even offensively, control the ball, play to your your strengths, I don't think offensively they play to their strengths. Now, granted, it's a great front seven for Ohio State, so you kind of have to try to run the ball. But if they can find a way to use some smoke and mirrors, maybe come out throwing the ball right away and find a way to get Jonathan Taylor worked into that game plan, whether it's throwing him the ball, getting him the ball in space, I mean, it can't just be, I guess, run the ball straight at them. But at the same time, you have to figure out how to get your best player in that game. And I think they'll do a better job of it. But I agree with you. I don't see Wisconsin winning that game. Uh, If
0: Wisconsin wins that game, they have to block a punt and force Ohio State to kick a field goal at least twice.
1: Yeah, and probably have another, another turnover thrown in there as well. I mean...
0: Yeah, some sort of blunder.
1: I mean, it it does feel like it would take some, war, some sort of colossal collapse or whatever you want to call it for Wisconsin to win that game. I think they're in that game in the first half for sure like they were the first time. I think Ohio State pulls away like they always do in the second half. But I think it's a better showing for Wisconsin. But like you said, it's such an uphill battle. There's not many teams I think that play this week and that can beat Ohio State. I think you're looking at probably Clemson, LSU, maybe maybe Georgia, maybe Oklahoma. But even then, I think you're looking at probably Clemson and LSU and Ohio State are the three big boys in this. Um, Definitely. Do you see? I mean, Let's... do you see any one of those four falling? The, the four that we have. Do you see any one of them? Obviously, Georgia and LSU. One of them is going to fall, but. You know, do you see Georgia upsetting LSU? Do you see? I mean, I don't see
0: the other two falling, but no. The only those three are solidified. Even if Clemson loses, they're still in. I think. I think LSU, Ohio State, and Clemson can all afford to lose and still make the college football playoff. I think if all three of them lose, which would be the greatest anomaly in the history of college football, and pigs are flying, I think then something's got to give. But I, I, I think. You really, if one of those teams loses, they'll still get in.
1: You don't think that you don't think Oklahoma or Utah let's say Oklahoma beats Baylor, Utah beats Oregon let's say let's say LSU beats Georgia right So you got LSU there who stays Georgia fours out but let's say Ohio State and Clemson both lose. you don't see you don't think Utah and Oklahoma overtake them being one loss conference champs.
0: Utah might, Oklahoma doesn't. I don't think Oklahoma has enough to be in this. I just don't see. I think they're frauds. I don't know. I wouldn't put them in. I don't think they're a top four team in the country. I think a one loss team, I think a one loss Georgia, one loss Utah, one loss a bunch of one loss teams would still be better than Oklahoma in there in my opinion.
1: I, I just I don't see the committee take I mean, it would be quite the precedent to set to take a team that loses on conference week and get, you could you know, even even given their, their their talent and their resumes, I just think that would be quite the statement to pass up these two teams that won their conference. I mean, they would have beaten Baylor twice. Now you can say what you want about sure. Baylor, but Utah, yeah, they have a loss to USC with a third-string quarterback and don't have much else, but they would have beaten Oregon. Oregon was the darling of the Pac-12 before the loss to Arizona State. And
0: Yeah, I think Arizona State's a tough team as well. Yeah. Not that they're anything special, but I do think they're a tough team. I,
1: I just I, – I, I could see maybe one of them sneaking back in, whether it's Ohio State. I mean, let's say Ohio State loses by one, you know, or, you know, they they have a terrible injury fields gets hurt and they lose by one i could see them keeping them in you know keeping an oklahoma out utah goes or vice versa i just both i mean if if clemson is a 29 point favorite and they lose how do you, how can you then rectify that and say i mean clemson doesn't have the resume clemson doesn't I mean, you look up and down their board, they beat the crap out of everybody because there isn't really anyone on their schedule. They, they have that close game to North Carolina. If they go ahead and lose to Virginia, really the one game probably on their schedule. I I just, I don't, I mean, I don't know how you put them right back in.
0: I think you put them in for two reasons. One, because they, I think they'd get, even if Clemson loses, I think they'd be a four because they have won a national championship in the past. Dabo Sweeney is a notable coach who a lot of people like and respect, and this is a game of ratings, and I don't put it past ESPN or ABC to put, take a team like Oklahoma and Utah and put them to the side and put Clemson in there because America identifies with Clemson and they're familiar with Clemson, and they're the team that took down the big, bad Alabama. So I think it's more, uh, it's more that type of stuff than it is. Resume on the field.
1: You you could be right. You know, I just think you know the committee. I think tries to stay within the scope and and tries not to let you know last year's resume or or prestige work into it.
0: No, they. I don't think they do. But I think there's still that one little factor when it comes to like. I think Clemson has like they kind of have that like get out of jail free card if you if you kind of like if I can put it that way. You know what I mean.
1: So let's say Oklahoma blows the doors off of Baylor. Do you think that works against them or for them? Because is that saying, well, then Baylor's who we thought they were and they're not any good, or is that true. they've learned from their mistakes? They should have lost to Baylor. Now they blew the they they kicked the crap out of them. Oklahoma's who we thought they were, who they should be. They're in. I mean, because th- I think I think performance is going to have something to do with this too. Let's say Oklahoma scores Baylor and wins but it's not a pretty game. Same with Utah. Then you might be right. Then you might see, let's say if one of them loses, which again, I don't think they will, but let's say an LSU loses to Georgia. LSU might stay in there. Very. I mean, LSU is the one that for sure if they lose could stay if Utah or Oklahoma don't play well, or the other winner doesn't play well, whether it's Baylor. Um, I, I don't think there's any chance Baylor gets in really. I mean, Maybe, I guess. I guess to my point, if Clemson gets blown out, there's a chance, you know. I mean, Baylor does have – Baylor would have a win over Oklahoma, I guess, whatever you think that weighs. But, yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be tough to see what they do. But I think it's going to be how Oklahoma wins if they do, how Utah wins if they do, and then how badly if Clemson or Ohio State were to lose. You know, you got to put all that into factor. If Ohio State-Clemson lose close and Oklahoma and Utah went ugly, then you might have a point.
0: Sure. And, I, I mean, quite honestly, if, we're, if we are being honest with ourselves and we sat down here and we just said, pick the four best teams out of this lineup, and you said Ohio State, LSU, Georgia, and Clemson, and said, all right, that's going to be the four teams, I'd be fine with that.
1: But let's say Alabama still had two. I would say don't. And let's say Alabama had two losses. Alabama would still be one of the best teams, but you would put Alabama in with a two loss?
0: No, I wouldn't put Alabama in. I think Alabama's done. I don't think Alabama's but going what, I,
1: what I'm saying is if you're going to go based off talent, then you, you pretty much, I mean.
0: But I still think with two, I don't think Alabama's the four, fourth best team in the country because they can't stop anyone. And I think LSU, they, they lost to LSU. I, just, I, th- I don't know. I just think that Alabama is not a very good football team and they're not a top four team in the country.
1: Yeah. I'm just trying to make a point that I, I think you have to put resume in there. I, I don't think you can just solely go off of talent because sure. there isn't exactly a good example this season. But I think in seasons past, you could have said, you know, there's this team sitting out there. They're not, they're not playing on conference weekend because they didn't get there because they have a one loss. You know, I don't think there's a good example of it this year. Um, Penn State might be the closest example to it, but I don't think they're a good example. Um, but someone sitting out there that's got a one loss who doesn't play on um, conference weekend because they, they missed out. But they're the most talented team, so I'm going to put them in. Or they, got two, they have two fluke losses, one from early in the year. But I think they're the most talented, so I'm just going to put them in. Just you know, They might not have the resume, but I think they're the most talented. I think there's got to be a little bit more structure than that. But you're right. If we did look at just the best football teams, yeah, it would come down to – I mean, if we were sitting in a room and we just said we want the best four in there, you're right. We'd be looking at LSU, Georgia, Clemson, and um, Ohio State. No doubt. Um, and I, I, I don't even think it's close to put Oklahoma, Utah in there.
0: Um, I don't think you should punish someone for playing, like you're saying, I don't think you should punish someone for playing in their conference championship. Like, if, if you lose your conference championship, it's kind of, it, that loss shouldn't weigh as much. Is that is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, well,
1: I guess I'm, I'm trying to say the opposite, I guess. Are um, oh, you trying no, to say the opposite of that? With, I'm agreeing with you in the fact that if you looked at the best four teams, we obviously would agree on the fact that it's Ohio State, Clemson, um, LSU, and Ohio State, right? But Or Georgia, sorry. Georgia, yeah. LSU, Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson. But at the same time, though, if LSU, I think LSU is the exception. If Ohio State loses to Wisconsin, we're seeing how much of a of layup this is. Then they should beat Wisconsin. If they don't beat Wisconsin, Oklahoma or Utah should get in. You, while you shouldn't be penalized for playing in your conference championship game, you should be rewarded for playing in it as well. Yeah, that's all. I That's saying. fair.
0: That's fair. I do agree with that. How I will say there, I will. You're, so you're saying LSU, if even if they lose, LSU is in the college football playoff, in the top four, I, even if they lose to Georgia. Well, let's
1: see. They get, the doors blown off by Georgia, which I don't think they will, but I also think LSU will win. But let's say Georgia blows the doors off LSU and it's bad. Then no. But if, if it's a close loss for LSU, I don't I don't see how else someone else gets in unless, unless again Oklahoma impresses against Baylor. You I think it all has to do with um style points this week. Because right. Um, LSU but then, to me is by and far the better team when it comes to Oklahoma and Utah, but at the same time, I think all, there's these things you have to check off to get to a national championship. It isn't enough just to be the best team; you have to sure. win games, That's why you play them. So, you have but to are have you putting?
0: To- are we putting too much weight on this game? Because you could say that Georgia lost to South Carolina, so then by the by, like that loss, they shouldn't even be in. The college football playoff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because right. it's well,
1: and, but there shouldn't the be States
0: States. so too much weight on this game.
1: I guess to be fair, they are the weakest of the four that we're talking, and that's fair. But, but I think I, I don't know about me personally, but I think in general the SEC has put more weight on it. I mean, obviously South Carolina is near the bottom when it comes to SEC teams and who you would rank, but sure it's still an SEC loss. And I think Georgia hasn't looked impressive, but at the end of the day, Georgia loses are out. Georgia wins are in. So there is that, you know, Georgia's fair. Ball, the thing about Georgia is they put themselves in a situation where you can't look the other way. I mean, it's not like they're a two loss team where if they win, you're like, no, I'm not touching them. They did what they had to do. They got to the conference championship with one loss or less and they have an opportunity to beat a top four team and get in. And I don't know how you could argue with that. I, I think that they're the weakest team. I think they have the weakest argument. But at the end of the day, if you're a one-loss SEC champ, I don't see how ever sure that not get you in. You know what I mean? And I, I guess think it's great that we put on the conferences, but
0: yeah, definitely. So I think you put I think you put LSU in there no matter what. I think even if they lose, they're in. And I think yeah. Ohio State's in because they have beat four top 25 teams, which is more than LSU has beat this year. I'm pretty sure if I my research is right, but I don't know. I could be wrong. But I still think Ohio State has done enough this year, even, even if they played in the weaker Big Ten Conference. I still think they've done enough this year to prove that they're a top four team. So I still think LSU and Ohio State are in no matter what. And I think Utah, Clemson, and – it would be what Georgia are fighting for the last two spots.
1: Yeah. And I, I think it would take a lot for Clemson not to get in. Cause I don't think they lose to Virginia, but like you right. said, if, if the argument is Ohio state gets in with a loss to Wisconsin, I would think it's gotta be the same for Clemson getting a loss to Virginia. I still think if they both lose, they're both out. I, I know I'm sure the committee doesn't look at spreads, but if you're a 16-and-a-half-point favorite with how good, with as big of a pedestal we put Ohio State and Clemson on, if they can't win those games, they shouldn't be there. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, I know, like if you put Clemson up against LSU, they'll play with them. If you put Ohio State up against Georgia, LSU, Clemson, they'll play with them. But if when it means the most, that one time they can't take down a Wisconsin or a Virginia, they don't deserve the right to go and play for a national championship. That, I mean, that's, I I think, I mean, I understand there's a lot of other things in college football. It's eye test. It's, it's resumes. It's who's the best team. But I think at this point, I mean, it's, unless you're LSU because of who you would lose to, I think if you lose, you're out and I could be wrong. And I probably will be wrong, but I don't even think it's going to happen. So I don't think we'll cross that road. But I think LSU is the only one because it's Georgia and because it's the SEC and because it's LSU and they beat Bama and, you know, as prestigious as it is, I think if LSU loses, they're still in. I think if Ohio State and Clemson lose, there's some other factors. Now, let's say let's say Oregon wins. Well, now if Ohio State and Clemson win, well, one of them's probably going to stay, if not both, because Utah would have lost. If Baylor wins, then they're both probably staying. But if Oklahoma and if Utah both impress, I don't know. It's tough. But I'll say I'll put it to rest here. They're not losing, right? Not, yeah, that's uh, fair. They're not going to lose. So LSU, and it, wins. Yeah. LSU wins. Ohio State wins. Clemson wins. It's that fourth spot's going to be interesting because I don't think Georgia gets in with a loss to LSU. There are two loss non-conference champ. It's going to come down to uh, Utah and Oklahoma,
0: right? right. Because and I, I think, think Utah they... has the advantage there by a lot by a mile.
1: But do you think they beat Oregon?
0: Yeah, I think they do.
1: Yeah, uh, th- that one's going to be interesting. I, I don't, I don't know. Um,
0: I think they can put different. up enough points. It's going to be, a, I think, it's going to be a high scoring game. But I just don't trust Oregon. I don't trust the the program. I don't trust the Pac twelve. I hate the Pac-12, quite honestly. That's why I don't even want to think about Utah being in this. But I, yeah, I don't know. I will take Utah. I think their offense is proven enough that they're they can you know run the track meet. So we'll see, though. I don't know. That's why the think, pa- the Pac-12 is so interesting, like that.
1: I think the committee has made it loud and clear that if you if it's Utah and Oklahoma, they have to choose from Utah's five. Utah be in. Now it would take a lot for I think Oklahoma to jump Utah. I would. Utah would probably have to play ugly and again it's probably style points. Oklahoma probably has to impress against Baylor. But I agree. I think it's Utah if it was if, if Georgia falls out, I mean, but let's let's play let's play Devils advocate here. Let's say it's Georgia loses, Oregon wins and Baylor wins. Does Baylor get in?
0: No. I don't see a situation where Baylor gets in. I just don't think, I don't, wait, say that one more time.
1: So, so LSU beats Georgia. Yeah. And Ohio State wins. Yep. And Clemson wins. So we just have that four spot open. Yep. Oregon beats Utah. Yep. And Baylor beats Oklahoma. Who else do you put in? I mean.
0: I, I Yeah, I don't know. I think I still would rather have Georgia in there than Baylor, but.
1: I, I just don't while, – while they're uh, – I mean, think about it, though. You have – they have a bad loss to, to South Carolina, and they're a two-loss non-conference winner. Yeah, and, yeah. On, it's tough it's to get in
0: there. there. Yeah. Well, in college
1: it's always been, what have you done for me lately? And if yeah. that's going to be the case, how do you – you know what I mean? I. If, Bay, if Baylor would have beat Oklahoma the first time, they'd be undefeated, and so it's almost like they rectify that wrong – I know Baylor doesn't really have the resume, but I don't know who else you would put in. I mean, I'd have to go to the rankings here and, and see who doesn't play. You'd have to look at a team that doesn't even play this weekend.
0: Remember when this first college football playoff thing came out and Baylor didn't Baylor get hosed and they didn't get in with Robert Griffin?
1: It was yeah, it was Baylor and it was another Pac twelve team. It was was it uh, was it was it TCU or Kansas State? Was
0: so I
1: think it was weird. TCU. It was TCU. Yeah, it was TCU, and and because they didn't have a conference championship game, and remember they said they didn't want to have a conference championship game. Oh no, I think, or was it the Big Twelve said that they decided to do a dual champion? Yeah. And then the Big the, the college football playoffs said, "Fine, you're not going to side. We're not going to put you in," and they just skipped them.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. All right. So the college football rankings right now so Baylor's seven Wisconsin's eight so in that case uh well if Ohio State wins Wisconsin loses your next teams if you're not going to put Baylor in would be a two-loss Florida team or a two-loss Penn State
0: yeah neither of those teams are going in so yeah I guess Baylor would be the team that would have to go in there then
1: yeah unless you did bring Georgia back from the dead which I don't know. Maybe the committee feels better about them. Again, I just think with a bad loss like South Carolina and you have a one-loss Power 5 champ there, I that would be – let's put it this way. That would be very bold of the committee to put Georgia in there.
0: <laughs> yes, it would. Yes, it same, would, Cotton.
1: But at the same time, you kind of understand why they would do it. It's, it's yeah. funny, but
0: – It is. It know. is. It really is. That's college football, though. It's different. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: I think that's what makes it so great. Cause it's not like the NFL where it's cut and dry, you know, it, the Packers have the better record. They get the one seat. I mean, that's right. great, but this is, it's almost like you throw politics in with sports and you see what happens. Oh like, yeah.
0: yeah. You know, it, A little corruption. No doubt.
1: No doubt at all. It's fun to talk about. Um, Anything you want to add on this? Uh, you got some picks for me. Something you want to lock in? I know we've talked about a lot. You know who we think is going to win, but lock some, lock lock a couple picks for me. And I know there's a couple other conference championship matchups we didn't talk about that that aren't going to have college football playoff uh, implications, but nevertheless are definitely going to be some good games. Lock some, lock some stuff in for me, Chase. Man.
0: I just want to point this out here real quick. It was looking like the Badgers had a decent chance at getting in this college football playoff the way that their defense started off the year. And then to find out that that Illinois game basically did cost them their season. Like I thought it would. And if they beat Illinois, they would literally be sitting with Baylor and Oklahoma on the front doorstep, just kind of waiting for that invite. So it's kind of well, depressing.
1: If, if Wisconsin would have beat Illinois, They would be an Ohio State win right now because they would have probably still lost Ohio State. So they'd be looking at 11 and 1, but they would be probably ranked maybe even if they're still eight. Yeah. They beat Ohio State as a one loss team, and they were a one loss Big Ten, having beaten Ohio State with how big Ohio State's been. They're on this pedestal. They're the most talented team. If Wisconsin goes and beats them as a one loss team, they're in, hands down.
0: Oh, yeah. You know, it's sad. uh, I, I
1: still think. I still think there could be enough chaos in which.
0: If no, don't happen, say like, it. Don't say it.
1: Baseball. Let's let's go through this. Come on. Clemson wins. They're in. LSU wins. They're in. And uh, let's say Wisconsin wins. Okay. Yeah. So they're the big champ, probably going to the Rose Bowl, right? Sure. So now you got. So now you got Georgia's out of the top four and Ohio State's out of the top four. You got two spots, right? Okay. Oregon. Oregon beats Utah. Okay. And Baylor beats Baylor beats Oklahoma. Okay. So, Ohio State's. Uh, well, you were saying you thought maybe Ohio State would stay.
0: But let's just say for this this scenario, they're out.
1: Well, you still have two spots, so you could keep them in. I mean. Yeah, but
0: realistically, you're not going to have two Big Ten teams. I don't think you'd have two Big Ten teams.
1: So Baylor probably gets. Baylor would probably get in. You got to put two teams in at this point. Utah's out, they lose. Oklahoma's out, they lose. Unless you you could put Baylor back in and keep Ohio State. Right. They're probably they're probably Baylor away from getting in. But they make it interesting.
0: Yeah, dude, I get I mean, I wouldn't they put game, it past it that the they, scenario comes up, but I just think that if the Badgers Play in the college football playoff. It's because there was seven teams that were ineligible to play due to something. You know, you was know it, what I mean.
1: Was it was it was it? Big Cat from Bar- Barstool Sports said that the Badgers beat Ohio State fifty nine nothing. Yeah, and all those things happen. What would happen? I mean, I, I know, they're never going to beat them fifty nine nothing. But let's say out of God's green earth, there's an injury, and the Badgers beat them by fourteen. You really gonna put Ohio State in after losing by fourteen? I'm not saying it's gonna happen. I'm just trying to say it
0: would be tough, but yeah. Yeah, I get you I get what you're saying. It would be very tough.
1: Wisconsin's not gonna win. But if they do, their consolation would be the Rose Bowl, and I would be very happy with that.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent, man. I just I think they've had they had a decent year. It was it we're just kind of one piece away, it seems to be every year. You have that stud running back, but I mean we had a decent quarterback. The running game was uh, you know, sometimes and the defense the secondary just was never there and it just it Is was, this
1: the thing for this program? Is this the ceiling? It is
0: Yes. This is it will is always Paul, be.
1: Is Paul Chris the ceiling or I mean
0: Well I think Jim I mean, Leonard coaches is the head coach one day.
1: Does does a talent like Graham Mertz allow them to get beyond this point? Because Graham Mertz – I mean, Jack Cohn is the best quarterback they've had. I mean, I think I'm comfortable in saying Jack Cohen is probably the best quarterback the Badgers have had outside of Russell Wilson.
0: Yeah, so and that doesn't really count.
1: Uh, right. So, but – and it also – you can also say, well, that's not saying a lot, but Jack Cohen's actually a pretty decent quarterback.
0: He's not terrible. Complete <laughs> 70% of his passes.
1: But I think if you put a guy like Graham Mertz, we we've seen him play a few times this year. He's got arm talent. He's got arm talent. If he can get to the potential that I think a lot of people think he could, does he take this team to the next to a next level? If they're able to continue to to recruit at the offensive line spot, they're able to continue to get running backs. You know, does that change things? If now all of a sudden they they're they're getting you know four star recruits at quarterback. I don't know. I mean, it, they're, they're probably going to have to, like, make a move someday where they get, like, a not Urban Meyer, but an Urban Meyer-type guy, you know, a big-time name who can recruit. I don't know if that will ever happen there. but Yeah, uh, it'll be, right tough. On, it be tough. It will be tough. This is probably the ceiling. The Badgers, the best they'll do is go to a Rose Bowl, and we'll be happy with that.
0: As long as they beat Minnesota, it's a good year.
1: Hey, man, what a game that was. I I thought that was going to be a lot closer game.
0: So did I. I thought Minnesota was going to win, actually.
1: I thought the Badgers would win close, but I thought that would be a lot tougher. Well, the way that game started, I thought it was going to go a different way. But, um, man, I'm, th- that's probably the most relevant or most big-time axe game that I remember because I don't think that game has ever meant, meant more in that rivalry than it did this past year.
0: Yeah, I mean the Badgers have the edge now, sixty-one and sixty and eight in the all-time series. So, yeah, but nonetheless,
1: I, 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 didn't, realize, I didn't realize it was that close. I mean, it, it it it's kind of crazy to think it took a a win streak like that to get it back, right? Close. it's a lot, a lot like the Packer Bear rivalry. I mean, before the nineties, the Bears had it by a lot, and then you hit Brett Favre era, and all of a sudden now the Packers are you know right at, just ahead of the Bears, but. um yeah, it's uh that's quite a good rivalry. It's always good to beat PJ Flack.
0: Yeah, I I despise him and his ties. I just I can't stand that guy running around on the sidelines.
1: Oh, I had nothing better than beating that guy. It was great yeah. beating him at Western Michigan and it was it was great beating him at Minnesota.
0: <laughs> exactly. So this weekend I'm thinking uh, three picks I got for you, Shampo, Baylor plus eight and a half. I think that's a good a good number to get Baylor at. That's Oklahoma's offense seems to be struggling as a late to even put more than 20-some points on the board. Um, Their team totals are usually at like 40-something, and they haven't been really getting over that. So I think 8.5 is a a good number to get Baylor at. I do like Central Michigan minus 6.5. If you can get it before it gets to 7. I think Miami, Ohio, and Central Michigan will put up a lot of points as well. And I do like Cincinnati plus nine and a half. So I saw some places you could get it at plus 10 if you really wanted to. So I think those are three numbers that you really got to look into this championship weekend.
1: Yeah. uh I I mean, I'm going to go with the easy one because I didn't really like a lot of these, to be honest with you. I'm going to go with the the real easy one. If that's LSU at minus seven, I think uh, I'm hitting some low hanging fruit there, but again, I, I didn't love a lot of these because I'm going to give you an example. I thought Cincinnati, Memphis, I, I liked, actually I liked Memphis at minus nine and a half. And I would have liked it a lot more had they not just beat Cincinnati last week. Right. You know, I, I, I don't like that coming back into another game this week. And uh, um, I mean, I, I think Memphis will win that, but, that's one of those you kind of don't want to t- – I mean, my opinion, I don't want to touch because it's like, you know, what does Cincinnati see? I mean, how many times have you seen a team go in one week? I mean, the Packers did it one year where they went into the Cardinals, and then the next week they had that classic game with Rodgers and Kurt Warner, and it didn't go our way. So I didn't really want to touch that one. So I went with LSU there at, uh, at minus seven. Um, I took Boise State in Hawaii. And i am taking Boise State at minus 14. I know that's a lot of points, but they smoked Hawaii earlier this year. And minus their, their hiccup to BYU in the middle part of the season, Boise State really hasn't had a lot of issues, and they've been pretty solid. Um, I know Hawaii can put, on, put up a lot of points, but you, know, you, you got to wonder what, what that kind of toll is with the travel coming from Hawaii, going back to Boise State. Uh, so I'm taking Boise state in that one. And my other one, and I, I'm actually taking Appalachian state. I got Appalachian state minus six and a half over uh, the raging Cajuns.
0: Yeah. I you like know. that too. Shampoo. I like that a lot, actually.
1: Yeah. I I think, uh, the big takeaway here is man, where ap- Appalachian state has come since that. I mean, if, if anyone's listening, if the first thing that comes to your mind is probably the big upset against Michigan, what? over a decade ago at this point right you know they're a a 1aa team at that point but to get to where they are now they're a d1 program they're ranked 21 in the nation they've been a top 25 team for a good part of the year um they're a good football program i I like them over the raging cajuns uh minus six and a half and uh you know keep an eye out i know they're only in the sun belt but that's a program that i think is only going to keep going up now you never know. Maybe that's a program that wants to get into a power five at some point. But, you know, that I think is a program that's only going to continue on the rise.
0: I do agree with you there. Look for them to be in a decent bowl game this year, get some notoriety. It's all about recruiting, okay. Champo. All about recruiting. You betcha. You betcha. Yeah. Well, that's kind of the slate for college football this this weekend. I'm kind of glad it's over. It, it really was abysmal this year. There really wasn't anything – too exciting about it other than just football being on. Uh, the Badgers yeah, no, had a good year. So, I mean, it was all right.
1: I don't really remember a year in which so many teams had a flaw. You know, 100%.
0: You
1: five teams, every team was like, well, there's Oklahoma, but, you know, there's Georgia, but, you know, even there's Alabama, but I, I think Ohio State was probably the one team that wasn't a but that came after it. You know, even Clemson, it was the resume. I, I just, you're right. I think it was a little bit of a stinker, a little bit of a downer. And I, I don't even think there was that many upsets. I think it was just, you know, I think probably the South Carolina one is the one that sticks out the most. Even even the Illinois one over Wisconsin is probably one of the bigger ones. Sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's a little bit of a downer. But, um, hey, we still got some bowl games in the bowl game season. Chase, well, let me pick your brain real quick before we move off of college football. I'm looking here at the schedule coming up this week, and then the, the next week pops up, and we got Army-Navy. Does that – are you an Army-Navy guy you get into that?
0: A hundred percent, dude. I love that game. I think it's the best game in college football.
1: All right. Well, next week I'm going to give a little teaser. We'll, t- we'll jump into that game, and I want to give you my idea as far as how I think they could expand that week to a few more games. It's a little teaser. I'll tell you more about that next week, but I'm a big Army-Navy guy as well.
0: Who do you cheer for? Who's your Who's your team?
1: You know, I I usually – like, I like to see Navy do well because Navy is usually the one that has more to lose from losing it. So okay. I like to see Navy win. But my grandpa was in the Army, so I feel like, you know, that's really my only tie to either military branch. So – I usually like to just cheer for a good game, and a slight part of me usually cheers for Army. Now yeah. they're looking to get they're looking to get bowl eligible here yet, I believe. So uh, yeah, they got they got some for. So
0: I do, I agree with you, man. I cheer for Army for the same reason as well. So yeah, let's get into that next week. Let's let's talk a lot Army Navy. I want to hear your idea. So, dude, I'm thinking about going to that next year. Actually, I looked into getting oh. tickets.
1: All right. Hey, I would be in. That's one game I've always wanted to see, so I would definitely be down to see that. Um, this one looks like this year it's in Philadelphia, so I believe that's a home game for Army, I believe it is.
0: Well, don't they play um, Don't they play neutral site? Don't they play at Lincoln Financial?
1: I believe they do it because they play in Baltimore or in Philly because Baltimore is right by um, Annapolis. Or Navy, oh, okay. So I they put back and forth, I believe. I got gotcha.
0: you. Okay. Um, that I makes sense.
1: I think they play at either the Ravens Stadium or the Eagles Stadium. Yeah, switch it back.
0: Yep. So well, well, we might yeah. we might be at the uh, might be the first road trip for the podcast. We'll see.
1: Hey, I like where your head's at. That's <laughs> a good goal. and uh, I think we should definitely do it. Let's take one more break, Chase Mullen, and then uh, unfortunately, I have some homework for you, so you're gonna have to do it before next show. But oh, I will tell goodness. you.
0: Sounds good. We'll be back to wrap it up on the Best Damn Sports Talk period.
1: All right, Chase Moe, I think it's time to put a bowl on the uh, very first ever episode of Best Damn Sports Talk Show. Uh, The inaugural
0: episode.
1: The inaugural episode. You bet. This is history. We're making history today. And That's what they
0: ready- say. Get the shovels out.
1: Breaking ground on the show. Hey, a little dude of the old grave digger, eh? Um, yeah, yeah. Gilbert, Gilbert Brown. Brown, yes, yes. But uh, all right, Chase Mo, are you ready for some homework that I'm going to send you home with? Now, no cheating on this. No cheating I won't. On the show.
0: And me and the audience are going to have a little a little assignment for next podcast that will be airing next Friday on Spotify, get your download, subscribe, do all that jazz, listen to the podcast every Friday on you
1: Spotify. Because this is only the beginning of Pandora's box. Once you open it up, it's not going away, it's only going to get better. You want to keep listening. So, this, it's like
0: a can of worms.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's it's uh you you can't get enough. I'll tell you that. So, this past week, the Packers were in New York against the Giants. And Aaron Rodgers threw a touchdown pass to Mercedes Lewis. Mercedes Lewis became the 38th player to catch a touchdown pass from Aaron Rodgers. Now I'll give Mercedes Lewis to you as a freebie.
0: Yay.
1: You have to name me the 37 other players to catch a touchdown pass from Aaron Rodgers. Now I have oh. done this little challenge myself. When I did it, it was actually before they played the Giants. So Mercedes Lewis was not on this list. I did guess him and get him wrong. But for the nice. sake of the sake of this contest we will give them to me as a freebie. So we both have one. Out of thirty-seven, I got thirty-two out of thirty-seven correct. So you and the listeners have to try and beat my mark of thirty-two and uh, try to get all thirty seven. Do you think you can do it, Chase
0: Oh, uh, I'm gonna I'm going to have to to think deeply. I'm gonna have to sit pretzel legged in the dark and just get intertwined with my yesteryears of thought and think will, about the old formations.
1: I will tell you this, I was killing myself because I should have had 33. There was one guy that I he's I'm in my man cave doing this show and I even have him on my wall and I forgot about him. And I when I saw it I was like you've got to be kidding me. How did I not put his name down? So I have yep. I had one stupid miss and a couple other misses where I was like, "Oh yeah, and a couple was like, I said his name, but I decided not to put him on the list. But
0: so the second guess yourself.
1: Yep. So your goal is to beat thirty-two, and the listener's goal is to beat thirty-two, and we will see where everyone is at next week.
0: Shampoo! I can't wait. I'm excited, man. I'm going to get to work. I'm gonna be hard at work tomorrow, thinking about army, navy statistics, and who caught. <laughs> passes from aaron Rodgers throughout his career man
1: hey man i'm excited hey i'm gonna see you this weekend up at lambeau field packers taking on the redskins i can't wait for it we'll tell you stories from this weekend you're gonna want to yeah man and hey you know we did allude to the beginning of the show some stories so i think we got to give our listeners a few more stories next week so we'll definitely do that and uh we'll see y'all next week
0: yeah, man, this has been fun. This is the first episode. A reminder, you can get in touch with us on Facebook. Just search Best Damn Sports Show, period, or Best Damn Sports Talk, period. I'm sorry. Search that on Twitter. Search that on Facebook. Be, like and subscribe. Um, we're going to have a promotion going on social media within the, – at the end of December, I think, we're going to start running it. So if you, let's just say if you're one of the early birds to hit the uh, like button or the – Uh, favorite button on Twitter, whatever the kids are doing these days on social media, whatever it is, do it to us on social media and you'll get taken care of. Uh, Let's just put it that way. So, Shampo, this has been fun. Uh, I look forward to uh, recording with you again next week. Like I said, I think we're going to shoot for every Friday to release um, a podcast. So that'll be our goal for right now.
1: Beautiful. It's been fun. Chase Mall. See you this weekend. And we'll be back next week. All right.
0: We'll see We'll see you in our life, brother. Take care. Peace.